0: Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Good to have all of you today uh, to the healing school on uh, September the 9th, 9-9. You know, we're only two days from 9-11, aren't we? You know, 9-9, 2006. Welcome to the healing school. Praise the Lord. It's good to have all of you. You know, I mean, goodness gracious, alive. Uh, I've asked several of you as you've come in today. uh, Let me just ask you a question. Uh, how many of you from are from somewhere besides Texas? See, we got people from all over. Number, no, you're not from Texas. Okay, the rest of you are from Texas, then I guess, huh? I know we got people from Ohio. Uh, we got people from Arkansas. We got people from where else? Indiana, where Indiana? We got people. Indiana. Where? Colorado Springs, Colorado. Springs. Colorado, Springs, Colorado. Colorado, Springs, Colorado. New York. New Mexico. Uh, New Mexico. Oklahoma, <clears throat> wow, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord isn 't it amazing how god uh, how He gets his word out you know whenever the Lord spoke to me a few years ago and or actually many years ago and told me what He wanted me to do, little did I know what He was going to do and the people that He was going to touch but i don't i don 't even know uh, uh how many people we have in our database now, but I think we 're up around six thousand or, or over 6,000 people that we send out. Of course, we got, a, I think, over a 1,000 now that's on our tape of the month or CD of the month, uh, where we send those out. Uh, and if you, some of you may not even know we have that available, but uh, if you don't know of our uh, tape of the month or CD of the month, uh, there's an order form back there. You can put your name on it and address and you can request that. We will put you in our database and uh, the first of every month will, the, they pick one of the teachings I do every month, which we do about 10, but they will pick one of those that they think might be a little better than some of the rest of them, and you will get that free and postpaid, either on cassette or CD, whichever way you want it, and uh, also on DVD. So you know we don't make any uh, exceptions if you know some places will say, uh, you know if you want it on DVD, it's 1495. You want it on the CD, it's $9.95. You want it on the it's $6.95. Hey, we give it all away free and postpaid, so it's the same price. It don't make any difference to us. We give away everything we do free and postpaid. And as I tell people now, I never dreamed the day would come, but we are up to about 10,000 CDs and DVDs a week now that's going out, 10,000 a week. Isn't that a lot of stuff? I know Phil back there, he makes all this stuff and duplicates it for us, him and his lovely wife. You know, the young boy back there is running the sound and his beautiful wife sitting up on top running the camera. She's very pregnant. (coughs) She's only a couple of months or less uh, from uh, having her baby. Well, Phil is the young man that I prayed over 11 years ago that all the warts and scars came off of. So, some of you have heard me tell his stories on CD or DVD and you heard me talk about Philip, the 11-year-old boy. Well, that's him back there in the back. He's not, there he is standing up back there. He's not, he's not a little 11-year-old no more. He's a 22-year-old tall, good-looking boy. <laughs> yeah, and that's his beautiful wife up there on top, helping run the cameras. So, isn't it awesome to have a God that answers prayer like that? You know, that answers prayer, that so praise the King. We're so grateful that we serve a God that is still alive and well, you know. And so, of course, the thing about it is today, so many people... I mean, I was raised up in a church that never saw a healing, never saw a miracle, and I was in church every time the door was open, and I just didn't know him. I mean, I knew him, but I didn't know him well enough to know how to get him to do anything. But, oh, praise God. Thank the Lord. We bless your holy name for showing me these things, revealing them to me. And as I have learned these things, I'm trying to teach them to you just like I've learned them. And when you do it the same way I've done it, which is his way, not mine and not yours, he does the same thing for you. He does for me. He is no respecter of persons, is he, young lady? He is a mighty king, an awesome God. And we get reports all the time back, and uh, we, we've got so many uh, reports back and so many testimonies. And at the beginning of the healing school, a lot of time I take a few testimonies, and I will do that today for a few minutes. Uh, I know that, uh, hey, praise the Lord, brother, young lady, you all come on in. Praise the Lord. This is Ty Davenport over here, the gentleman that comes in. He's the associate pastor of the church. Praise the Lord. A great man of God, really knowledgeable in deliverance, and uh, he's, he's really, really knowledgeable in God's Word. And He spends a couple of hours with God every morning, almost from four to six, when all the rest of us are still sleeping. He's up spending time with God almost every morning. Not every morning, but almost every he He's learned that if you want to get God to do things for you, you've got to spend some time with him. And so he's learning that. Now, Alan (coughs) Alan wants to, uh, if you have a cell phone, by the way, do like I did when I came in, turn it off. Because if you don't, it may go off. And so anyway, if you do have a cell phone, uh, we would appreciate it if you would turn it off or put it on vibrate or something so it doesn't make any noise until uh, after we get through with the teaching. But uh, Alan, he's a, a man from New York and our teaching has uh, lit his fire, and of course, he's an attorney, and he travels around all over the country uh, meeting the needs of prisoners. And uh, as he goes to prisons, he has shared our teaching and given away our CDs and DVDs to many prisoners. And he wanted a few minutes. He asked me a while ago, Can I have a few minutes? I have so many testimonies about how prisoners' lives have been changed and things that have happened. He wants to share a few minutes with us, some of the things God has done through him and his teaching, and what he has learned from God's Word. And so, Alan, uh, I've got a mic up here. Let me, uh, we'll start out with you, and we'll give you a mic. Let me turn this thing on. Okay, now we've got one on, Phil. There, I think it's ready. He's got some notes here, so he won't forget anything. So.
1: These aren't notes. These are letters I'm going to read, because I can't say it as well. I can't say it as well as the, le- you hear me? Yeah. as the letters. I've had a prison ministry since starting in, with 10 guys in Oklahoma which I went, when I went to Brooklyn Law School there was these 10 guys, they said they're one Pennville. I wrote to them and I drove out there 30 years ago with my wife and, and through that it's Mushroom and uh, I got uh, I have guys that just write them and encourage them and, and uh, do a Bible study, a, a teaching which I sent out to them and uh, there's one particular guy in um, I named Dave Thomas, who's in Georgia. And he has, this guy has taken off like a rocket. He, he's like 40 years old, and he shouldn't be in prison. That's just how he was falsely accused of something. But uh, he said, why does God have me in prison? But I, I, should, I said, this is why. He'll be getting out soon. But uh, he has been there nine years, almost nine years for something he didn't do, which the witnesses are recanting on. But uh, I can see why, what God did to him. Before I read his letter, I gotta, I'll back up to a testimony I, didn't, I don't have the letter on. Uh, you know, he does a Bible study in his uh, sell every day. And he's gotten like two doctors through Bible cars schools, always studying the word. And he's led like over 35 people to the Lord over the last like three or four years. And Amen. like one Christmas, he said, Lord, give me five souls this Christmas, like around three years ago. And God gave him five souls to win. He's always sharing the gospel. And he, so uh, he said back in Back in the spring, uh, he told me about the one guy came into a cell. His foot was all wrapped up. I'm going to give you like four testimonies of healing. So, and and I'm, again, you've got to bear with me. You've you got to hear the blow-by-blow blow description. It, it just makes it special. But this guy came. His foot was all wrapped up. He, what he'd done, he's banged his toe, and he, and he broke the nail. The nail was completely broken off. There was no nail on it. And, and, he, uh, and he, was, he was hobbling around. It was all wrapped up and all swollen up. And they said he'd be like that for uh, quite some time until it healed up. So he prayed for him. And the next morning, the guy woke up and felt something different. So he went to Dave and he said, "Dave, uh, uh, I'm afraid to look. You un-un-unloose un- these bandages." So he-, he opened up the bandages, and there was a brand new nail on there.
2: And there was no. And there was no. And it was all the
1: swelling. All the swelling was down. And he said, it "Looked like a manicured nail. Then there was no nail on there. And it was just completely broken. You know, all a mess." That's the uh, least of the miracles here. Now, now I'll start reading my letters. <laughs> that was like in the springtime. Then this letter is day July 30th, right after my son got married. I got this great letter from him. He said, hello, brother. You know, will, I'll read to you because he, he says things in a way I can't say it. Hello, Brother Allen. I am simply beside myself with pure joy and praise for my precious Lord and Savior, Jesus. A friend of mine named Larry was led to Christ by the Holy Spirit using me in my cell a few months ago. Notice he didn't say, I led him to the Lord. He said, the Holy Spirit using me. is the kind of humble guy he is. Amen. Soon afterwards, I felt the Spirit stirring in me to teach Larry as much about the Word as I could better as I could before he went home, like you teach people yeah. the word. I suspected that it was God's plan to heal him, but at that time I wasn't sure. Larry came to the little daily Bible study I give every day and was full of questions. His hunger for the Word really amazed me, Alan. Larry was suffering from a degenerative eye disease and was told that he would be completely blind one day. He wore the thickest glasses I've ever seen on a man, Alan. He also had lost most of his hearing in his left ear and has worn a hearing aid for years. Alan, I do not pray for the healing of a man here unless I know it is God's will that I do so. He's in prison. He's got to, you know... Follow the rules here. well, Brother, the very day before Larry went to the hole, I had an overwhelming sense in my spirit that the Lord demanded that I lay hands on his child, Larry, and pray for his healing about the hole and Here an inmate is locked down in the hole twenty four hours this is in Georgia before he 's to get out for his own safety. The reason for that is that an inmate was killed last year a day before he was to go home by another inmate that was angry that he was not going home after I prayed for the lord 's healing upon Larry, I clearly I clearly heard in my mind, it is done. Alan, I heard it just as clearly as if Larry had said it, and I even asked him, what did you just say? He said he had only said amen, so I knew it was God. He said, well, I don't feel any different, underline feel. I laughed and told him, brother, God will heal you in his time, but I think I can confidently tell you that he is going to heal you. He said, how do you know? I said, because he just told me so. So I gave him some instructions that the Spirit put in my head about believing and receiving, told him to go ahead and start praising God now for the healing that is on the way. Doesn't that sound familiar? <laughs> I also told him, Larry, when you get your healing, do not write and thank me. Which, no, all the glory goes to God, because it is He that will heal you, and I am thankful that He even used me, so do not give me any thanks. That is God's. The next morning, Larry went to the hole. The following day, I was brought this enclosed closed letter by an inmate who worked in the hole and sneaked it out to me wow brother it is a miracle or what praise god alan all i could say is thank, is thank the blind can see the deaf can hear and i'm going to read his letter not only this miracle but two more men were led to christ in my cell over the past week isn't god amazing uh so and here's a letter from from larry dear <laughs> with more to come hey bro Boy, have I got something to tell you! As you know, I go home today. I begged the—this around July 30th. I begged the officers to let me come by to see you. No way, I was told. So I asked one of the orderlies to get this note to you, and I'm praying you will get it. After you prayed for my healing and my eyesight and my hearing, I did just as you told me to do. So do what Thurman told you to do. <laughs> I believed. I received. I gave thanks, and I prayed hard. Underlined hard. This morning when I woke up, I instinctively reached for my Coke bottle glasses and they were nowhere, not where I left them, at the head of the bunk where I always leave them. As I tried to find them, I all of a sudden noticed that I could see everything clearly without my glasses. I said, I said, oh my God, I've been healed. Thank you, God. I looked out the cell window and everything was so clear. That's when I called for the officer, screamed for him, actually. He told me that someone being released cannot have any contact with someone who isn't being released. The other officer told me the same thing. And guess what? It wasn't until the second officer was telling me this that I realized I could hear out of both ears, even though I didn't have my hearing aid on. <laughs> <laughs> my, hearing, my hearing and my sight had been healed, brother. I almost can't even believe it. I sat down on my bunk and cried like a baby, Dave. I know you told me not to thank you when I got my healings, that I must thank only God because it will be his healing of me. But, Dave, how can I not thank you? I have been led to eternal life by you like the dozens of other inmates I've seen you lead to Christ. Thank you with all my heart, Dave. Thank you, and God bless you, my brother. I love you in, in Christ. Got to go now. They're calling for me. My mom must be here to pick me up.
0: Oh, praise the Lord. Let's
1: give the Lord a hand on that. Praise the Lord. He got Wow, praise I, I, the King. You ain't, you ain't heard the best part yet. No?
0: Oh, yes, okay.
1: The best is
0: yet to come. If he is better than this.
1: Wow, well, right, okay, he said it. So one, one, it's going to get better. Oh, one man. of the officers that was working the hole was there when Larry uh, woke up with his sight and hearing healed, came looking for me. This is Dave writing me in a subsequent letter. He told me about Larry yelling and screaming and carrying on and pitching a fit that he was healed. He asked me, Thomas, how did you heal that man? I knew it was real because I saw it with my own eyes. And he had the thickest glasses I've ever seen when he came in. Yet he read something I wrote down small from about 15 yards away without his glasses on. <laughs> I, I test him because I thought he was full of you-know-what. Uh, <laughs> uh, he then said, so how, did you even, so how did you do it? Are you psychic or something? I explained that I didn't do anything. God healed that man. All I did was pray with the man. God did all the work. He told me he didn't believe in God, but that... But that now, I've got him all messed up in his thinking. (laughs) (laughs) He spent the next 10 or 15 minutes witnessing to him, Alan. I spent the next 10 or 15 minutes witnessing to him, Alan. And he said that the next time he works this cell house, he was going to have a bunch of questions about my Jesus. Alan, I do believe God led him to me because the Lord is going to save him. And this man didn't even believe in God. Just thought I'd share that with you. Now now, now listen to that. Here's another letter. I did August 19th. Now... I have an amazing, this ties into this next story, which is the best one. Now I have an amazing story to tell you. I have to go to medical three times a day for a pill call to get the pain meds they gave me from my hip. I think he just fell and hurt his hip. As I was standing in line today, a man came up on crutches, barely walking. I know James from Kairos, and he is a strong believer. That's a Christian prison ministry. It's tremendous. He broke his foot, and they made it even worse in surgery. They said it wrong and was scheduled to re-break it and set it again and put pins or a plate or something like that next week. As I watched him hobble up to the line, the Holy Spirit came upon me so powerfully that it made me dizzy, Alan, and gave me goosebumps. I thought, "Uh uh-oh, what are you up to, Lord? I heard in my spirit loudly, Alan, a real voice, like that last time, uh, saying, pray for him. He will be healed this day. So, Alan, I was praying for him as I stood there. Then I knew he was being healed because he began to reach down grabbed his ankle and said, My foot is on fire. It ain't ever hurt this bad before. I watched, waited, and kept praying when he finally said, "Whoo!" it stopped. Oh, Lord, that hurt. I immediately walked toward him. When I got to him, I said, James, give me them crutches. Don't never let me catch you with another set of crutches when you don't need them. I took his crutches and handed them to Officer Running Pill call and told him, Here, he don't need these anymore. I don't know what made me do that, Alan. Everyone thought I was crazy. James said I was playing a joke on him, and he was grinning. He said, Hey, man, now go get my crutches back. I told him that if he wanted them crutches back, he could walk right over to the officer himself and get them. He said, you know I can't walk over there, Dave, and this ain't funny anymore. I said, brother, I said, brother, I know you can walk over there, but you no longer need the crutches. You have been healed. He knew of Larry's healing, Alan, that guy with the eyes and the hearing. Um, He got real quiet and said, are you serious, man? I said, as a heart attack. What do you think all that burning on your foot was a few minutes ago? He got the biggest grin on his face, Alan, but he wouldn't move. He said, I'm scared, Dave. I'm scared stiff and can't move. So I grabbed him, Alan, and said, let's take a walk. I want to tell you about something. We started walking, me pulling him. (laughs) After After a few steps, he said, he jerked away from me and said, let me go. I can walk. Oh, my God. He started jumping up and down. Alan, to the amazement of about 30 inmates in the pill call, and he screamed, I am healed. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I've been praying for this here healing for weeks now. Oh, my God. It is real. Alan, he then took off running back to the cell house, screaming praises to the Lord, and I ain't seen him since. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he ran to the nearest phone call go home. Praise God. Another miracle here at Dooley State Prison. All glory to God who cares so much about the men in here. And that's not all. Alan, all those men who saw this happen were astounded. I know most of them, and most of them are Muslim. Well, brother, since Pilko, I've had nine. There's nine Muslim inmates following me around, asking me questions about Jesus. And one of them asked me immediately after the healing, what in the world just happened here? I saw it with my own eyes, but I still don't believe it. I told them, brother... Come to the Bible, said I hold, and you will see even greater things than these. For my Jesus is real. And he loves you so much, even more than your mama loves you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Alan, I fully expect the Lord to use this new miracle to lead many lost Muslim brothers here to eternal life through our precious Lord and Savior Jesus. Praise God, Alan. Wow. I've seen the pure manifestation of God in everything around me, Alan. Yet every single time something like this happens, I find myself astounded, full of joy, full of praise for God, and tears running down my face. Thank you, Jesus. Also... Remember the guy who was choking to death some years ago in Chow Hall? There was this big black guy that was choking on a piece of bread, and they wouldn't, the guards wouldn't help him. So he pushed the guard aside, which could have got him arrested right there, and he did a Heimlich maneuver on him. He said, well, Alan, I, uh, I got a letter from him today, and he told me that on that very day, Jesus changed his life, and since then, he has led 11 members of his family to Christ, including four, four of his, children, four, his four children. And here's the final letter. He said, Alan, since my last letter, the Lord has used me to lead three Muslim, excuse me, former Muslim brothers to Jesus. Praise God. Remember when the Muslims were questioning him? Amen. He said, praise God. And they are witnessing to other Muslim inmates. All due to the healing of a man's foot. Glory to God, Alan. And get this. I also led an officer, of Jesus, in my cell yesterday. Remember Amen. Wow. <laughs> when you're right back, don't mention the word officer because he would get in trouble. <laughs> I'm truly blessed. So, um, that's it. Isn't that awesome? Well, praise God. the Lord. Wow.
0: Wow, praise the King. Thank you, Alan. That's so great. Isn't it wonderful what Jesus is doing? I mean, it's amazing how that all we've got to do is believe the King. You know, we serve a Jesus that is alive, and He does miracles, and He heals, and He does great and awesome things. Man, those are great testimonies. I mean, great testimonies. I mean, just think, as I've said many times, when the church, which is us, Those of us that are here today, I am sure, or I feel confident that almost every one of you here today knows Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But if you do not, before you leave here today, I want you to know Him as your Lord and Savior. Because that's what it's all about. I mean, to live on this earth, even if you're sick, and die and go to heaven would be one thing. But to live on this earth and be healthy and die and go to hell would be awful. And we don't want that for no one. So we want everybody to know Jesus. Now then, after you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then we're trying to teach you how to receive Him as your healer. So you can walk in divine health. And so you don't have to have sickness and disease no more. I have learned these principles from God's Word, and it really works. And I've seen God do great and awesome things. Now then, praise the Lord. If we have one or two more... That has a, maybe a single testimony or something of yourself that you want to give to tell us what Jesus has done for you. Uh, if you would like, if you want to come up, uh, some, who has another testimony? Anybody else have one you want to give us? If you have a testimony, we we'll, would love for you to come up and tell it. Uh, Alan had some great ones. That's a hard one to follow, I will have to say. But if you've got one, okay, we got one back here. Come up. You've got one? Come on up here, Sharon. <clears throat> This young lady. This young lady has been healed of so many things. Uh, was it two years ago or a little over two? Three years, three, now. three years ago, when she came to us when I kid y'all. Some of you heard me talk about Sharon on the tape when I said, "And this girl came to me. She was a basket case. And this is a basket case girl. You know that was healed. I mean, that, yeah, that had brain tumors and back troubles and hip and arm and I don't know what all." And today you can see she's a beautiful young woman Happy. with absolutely no nothing wrong with her, yeah. and she's walking out there doing the same thing. These people at Allen talked about a while ago. Yeah. She's getting people saved and healed daily. daily. So praise the Lord. Tell us your testimony.
3: Yeah, when I first came here, Hold oh when I yeah. first came here, I, I had had an aneurysm and I had brain surgery, and okay. my friends drove me over here to see Thurman because I had I I had no stamina. So after the service, he I said, Well, I need stamina. And he said, Okay, Lord, give her stamina. And I left and I didn't say anything, but I thought, This is it. And I really did. And I'm like, That? Okay. And so the next day I woke up and I was able to stay up all day, which I hadn't been able to since I had the brain surgery. And then that Saturday I came here and sat here all day in a healing school. And then I came back the next day in the church. And he's talking about unbelief, which. He talks about all the time, I realize, but I didn't hear it till the next day when I was at church. And I said, that's it. All I have to do is repent of my unbelief, and God will heal this back of 30 years. I didn't even ask him to pray at the healing spill for my back because I've been prayed for 100 times. I just thought, oh, that's just something God's going to let me live with. And then I said, that's it. And he said, that's it. And I repented, and God instantly healed my back. They they healed my allergies, which took about six months because they just would not come back. It was progressive. I just kept knocking them out and coming back. The best, the most recent thing was I went to the dentist about six months ago and got my teeth cleaned. And the dentist told me I needed two root canals and I needed two new crowns. And I went and got in my car. I said, devil, no more. You're not getting any more of my money. You're not getting any more of my teeth. And I came to Thurman, and I said, I, I need you to agree with me for something. He said, okay. That's very important you agree with somebody that really believes, you know, because it is, says Bonnie. to agree, not to kind of think so. <laughs> anyway, we prayed, and I had my 6 months checkup less, uh, two weeks yeah. ago now, and they insisted on x-raying them. I said, they're healed. God healed them. I don't need x-rays. She goes, I will do them for free. I said, okay, that can not hurt so she did them, and they're totally healed. I have to, no problems.
0: <laughs> hey, praise the Lord. Hello. Praise the Lord. Now, this is a woman of faith now. You can imagine, you know, that a few years ago, three years ago, when she came to me, she was in such bad shape, you know, that she couldn't hardly walk or do anything. and had been down in her back for 30 years, and, you know, and, of course, had the arm that was goes out, the, the hip that went out, and she just had many, many problems, and allergies and everything. And to think, now then, this girl has such faith that the other day or six months ago when they said she needed these root canals, she just come to church and said, that's it, you pray with me and I, and it's done. She said, I, I, don't, I, I believe God. And, of course, we did. And, and, and every time I'd see her, I said, well, how about your teeth? She said, done, praise God. You know, that's it. Done. We pray. It's done. Is that total belief? That's total belief. Well, six months later, like she said, when she went back and that dentist said, well, we need to uh, do the... Uh, x-rays and see no 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 don't need it but they when the lady finally said okay i'll tell you what i'll x-ray them for free because i won't charge you because i know they were bad six months ago they're still bad that's where we live as a church but she said no but sure enough when they done the x-rays she don't need no root canals or no crowns her teeth were good and solid all i got to say is when you really believe god you're going to tell your aunt randy praise the lord
2: it's amazing,
0: the wonderful thing. This is Randy. He
2: has a tremendous testimony. Praise God. I'll be quick, but uh, I, I, too, came and had you pray for me about my epilepsy. Yeah. Not my epilepsy, the devil's epilepsy. The devil's epilepsy, yeah. That's right. But uh, and you shared, you know, that I had more things wrong with me when I came up here and had you pray for me. I had my kidneys a horseshoe. I had kidney stones every year for 13 years. Uh, I'd have kidney stones and spend 30 days in the hospital and diabetes and and depression and i had just a pocket full of medicine you know when i rode my b- motorcycle up here to the healing school for digestion yeah and i had brother thurman pray for me and uh, uh before the end of the service actually and then i went back to my seat and i was sitting there next to my pastor jc there from the upper room and thurman said that i had to repent of all my sins well, I didn't know that part. That's pretty hard to have to do that. So I <laughs> confessed my sins to my pastor, and pastor brought me back up here and had me prayed for her again. And when we got back to the upper room, all my medicine was gone out of my pockets. I dropped it all. I lost it all on the way back. And uh, so I took that as a sign of being healed. God would tell me when it's time to start taking my medicine. I got back to the church, and our sign says "Total Healing for the Total Man." And I just prayed about my epilepsy, but then I thought, well, I lost all my medicine, so I haven't. I was having seizures two or three a week with my Dilantin, and I haven't had a seizure since August of last year, and I haven't had any medicine at all.
0: Amen. Praise uh, the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
2: I have to go to a doctor though to get cleared for my driver's license again, and I called a doctor uh, the other day, and I was telling him about my healing and. Uh, gave him some history, you know, and then I told him I got healed. Well, he don't want to see me. He recommended that I go to a mental health facility. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh goodness gracious! Oh, oh my goodness gracious! Alive, you know, isn't it a shame that we don't believe in healing? We don't believe in Jesus. I mean, before we start into our teaching i 've got to tell you one other tremendous testimony that when he said about his epilepsy, I got a letter this last week from a man that that is uh, a director of a big church camp out in Wisconsin. He wrote me a beautiful two page letter. I got the first paragraph and started crying. I cried all the way through the letter i could not i couldn 't read it I, just, I mean I read it, but I just I just I thought, oh God, what you 've done and how you've touched people's lives through what you've allowed me to teach people. And I'm so grateful for that. This man says, I, I forget now how old he was, in his 40s, uh, he said that when I was 15 years old, he said, my daddy wasn't saved and I wasn't saved. But he said, I wanted to go to a rock concert. My daddy wouldn't let me. He didn't want me to go. He knew they weren't good. But he said, I finally manipulated my dad. I lied to my dad. I'd done everything I could because I wanted to go to the rock concert. He said i finally got my daddy to let me go <clears throat> he said i run into my first encounter with drugs and alcohol and he said i got hooked on some serious drugs while i was there he said i had devastation in my life for the next six years plus he said i started having epileptic seizures immediately and he said i have had them for 26 years i've been on medication he said now then I've been a director of this camp for many years and he said it's very intimidating to be a, a leader of a church camp working with young people and come down with a seizure while you're trying to teach. He said it doesn't bring much glory and honor to God. But he said I didn't know what to do. He said I'd been to many doctors. I'd been to many counselors and said nobody, nobody ever told me that my sickness was because of my sin until I listened to your teaching. He said, when I listened to your teaching, I first thought, this man's crazy. But he said, I checked you out in the Word, and the Scriptures you used were exactly what was written in my Bible. So he said, I went to God, and I said, Lord, if it's sin that does this, what sin was it that brought this on me? And he said, immediately, the Lord brought back to me my mind immediately when I was 15 years old, when I manipulated my dad, I didn't honor my parents And he said, because I didn't honor my parents. He said, this is why your seizures came upon you. This is why you could not be healed. He said, Lord, I repent. I am so sorry. He said, my dad died six years ago. But, Lord, I'm asking my daddy to forgive me. I'm asking you to forgive me. And I'm thanking you for doing it. And he said, the Lord spoke to me. And he told me now then that he's out there. And he doesn't have any men of faith around him. He said, because you have repented because you have asked your dad to forgive you and you've asked me to forgive you. He said, I'm going to deliver you and I'm going to heal you. He said, you can throw away your medicine. He said, Thurman, six months ago when God spoke to me, I threw away the medicine. He said, I've not had a drop of medicine since and I've not had one single seizure since that day. He was praising God. And I mean, with a testimony like that, how can you read that knowing you were the one that got to teach him the truth and he gets set free? How can you read that and not cry all the way through that? Here's a man who had been bound by the devil 26 years, a church leader. And he's bound with seizures for 26 years. And all he had to do was do what the Word says, to repent to God for manipulating his dad, not honoring his mother and his father. When he didn't honor his dad, although his dad wasn't saved, and he wasn't saved, it brought a curse upon him. And the devil came upon him, and he started having seizures. But just like Randy, Randy had sinned many ways, too. He was a young man. He didn't know that sin is what brought sickness and disease. And for all those years, Randy had had those seizures and all those other things you heard him say that he had had. But he didn't know that it was sin. But whenever he repented of all of his sins that we prayed for him, August, a year ago, he was set free and healed that day. And he asked me a question. He says, if I believe I'm healed, what do I do with all this medicine? I said, that's between you and God. I said, I'm not going to step out and say, throw it away, because that's between you and God. I said, I know what I would do, you know, but I know where my faith is. I I do not know where yours is. But I said, God will show you. He will tell you when to get off the medicine. It's amazing. He had both pockets full of medicine. And by the time they get home, somewhere between Justin and Denton, he lost all the medicine. It was all gone. Isn't that amazing? It just disappeared. Out of his coat pockets. You reckon that God's trying to tell him you don't need it no more? I think so. He had never lost it before, but now after he's been prayed for. Aren't y'all glad we serve a supernatural living God that's alive and well and doing things? He's a mighty God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for all these folks that you brought here today. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you that what you're going to do through each one of these, as they learn more about your word, and as they go back to the many places they've come from all over the United States, that you're going to use them mightily where they go. You're going to heal them, just like the wonderful testimonies that Alan had about as he ministers to these men in these prisons, as he's taught them the word. These men are getting a hold of the word, and then they're acting on the word of God. Alan has taught them many of these things about salvation and healing, and these men are learning, they're doing it. And now, Lord, those men, think of the people that those men have got healed and saved and delivered. And, and Lord, it's just a beginning thing. That's the kingdom, the kingdom of God, snowballs like this. And, Lord, we thank you and praise you for planting these little seeds and touching these people's lives. And doing such a great and mighty work. And to thank Lord, that we're so grateful that we get to be a part of that great and awesome kingdom, the kingdom of God. A tiny little seed, that's each one of us. But, Lord, each one of our seeds, it grows up like a tree that's been watered down by the brook. Thank you, Father, for blessing us today. Now, Satan, I rebuke you and I command you to leave this place today. And don't you steal a word out of anybody's mind or heart today. As we leave this place, I take authority over you and command you not to steal one single word out of no one's heart. And, Father, I ask you to lock every word into their minds and their hearts so they can use them for your glory. And for those that need to be healed, they will receive their healings and their miracles today. And we praise you and thank you, Lord, for being our God. Now, Lord, it's your word and it's you, and we're just here to serve you So, Lord, everything is about you, nothing about us, it's all about you. And we love you and praise you and thank you for all these wonderful testimonies we've heard, the wonderful things you're doing all over, because we know nothing is hard for you because you are God. Now, thank you, Lord, in advance for what you're going to do here today. Bless us and bless everybody here. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the King. All right, now then, we're going to praise the Lord. Welcome. Y'all come on in. We got chairs uh, everywhere. You all just come on in. We got some more back there. Some over here. Got some up here in the front. So just come on. Praise the Lord. Something I'm gonna. Uh, uh, it's amazing. The other night. Uh, oh yeah, we got water up here for those of you that need water. If you want water, it's free. Uh, I don't provide the water. The Fred, the owner of the place here, uh, he provides this place for us free of charge. He does not charge us to use this facility. It's a great blessing to us to be able to do this but god is wonderful god has changed fred and kathy's life the owners of this place dramatically fred had never seen a, or hadn't seen a miracle when i met him uh, about five or six years ago i met him and uh he had not seen a miracle and i said what a shame if you had not seen a miracle in the last day or two you're not doing what god wants you to do and he was he looked over at the lady and i, I was in her store and he said is this guy real and she said he's very real And so out of all that, uh, Fred has totally changed. Now he sees them regularly himself. So he provides us with this building uh, to have these in, and he provides us with this water. And we put a box up there that if you want to give a donation for the water, you can, but if you don't want to, you don't have to. But that's just like us. We put all of these teachings back there for those of you that don't know. All of the CDs, DVDs, cassettes, and videos and everything are free, and you can take as many as you want. We don't charge for them. So, therefore, you don't have to have money to come to a healing school. You can come here and get you an armload of that. We even provide sacks for you to take, haul it out in. You know, so you can take it and take it and give it to your friends and everything. <clears throat> so, anyway, we want the body of Christ to be blessed with what God has done for us. You know, so He has blessed us tremendously. I mean, it's a wonderful... I mean, just think of the blessings to get to pray for people and see people get healed. Isn't that an awesome privilege? I mean, but God wants to do that through all of us that are in the church. He wants to use every one of us like that. Just think of those testimonies that Alan gave about those prisoners when those men prayed and believed, and all the Muslims and everybody else, when they see God moving, you know, hey, I mean, that guy, he couldn't walk, and now then he can. What, what is this? You know, well, this is only Jesus. Well, who's Jesus? Well, let me tell you about him. I mean, he's God. And when you see God move like that, and isn't it wonderful? I mean, it, it, it changes everybody's life around. you know. But I think the church has not seen God do these kind of wonderful things. So when we go out, we don't know how to pray in faith. So not knowing how to pray in faith, or we've got some kind of little pet sin in our life, you know, that uh, we don't want to give up. <clears throat> and so God don't hear our prayer. And so we walk a defeated life, and the devil was, has been, become the victor, and we become the victim. When it's supposed to be the other way around, we are supposed to be the victor. We are sons and daughters of God, and he does do great and wonderful things. Every time I look at many of these people in this room, even because Sharon came up to give her testimony a while ago, I think there's probably only been one woman uh, in this place that I've prayed for more than I have Sharon. That's my wife. You know, and my lovely wife has been healed of so many things also. She has a tremendous testimony, and God has just absolutely spoiled her rotten. You know, that every time she has a little pain or something somewhere, she immediately comes to me and says, Honey, you got to pray. And I'll either lay hands on her or touch her or something in the name of Jesus, and instantly she's healed. And so, you know, after you've lived there for uh, a couple of years, you know, uh, maybe I guess about the first year, God just healed her. Everything everything I prayed for for he instantly healed her. And then one day she had a little problem and uh, she came and asked me to pray and it didn't appear nothing happened. And the next day she said, You need to pray again and so I did and it appeared nothing happened. The next day she came up to me and she said, Have you sinned somewhere? <laughs> I said, What what makes you think I might have sinned somewhere? She said, God always hears your prayer and always heals me instantly but the last two days has been no change. I said, I said, he knows you need a little patience. So I said, just, you know, learn. He's not doing this instantly because he's developing a little patience in you. She said, well, I've got all the patience I want. I said, yeah, but that's <laughs> beside the point. <laughs> so you're going to have to learn to be a little patient. So anyway, God has really done some great things in our life since we've been married. You know, uh, I think about the one night we went home Sunday night from church and I made a statement to her that she didn't like, and she read me the riot act for 15 minutes on the way home. And uh, then about halfway home, she finally quit talking, and I tried to come back, you know, with a little statement, and that set her off again. And so from there home, she talked to me, and she was really reading me the riot act, so I didn't say anything else. And so we got home, and I got out of the car, and I'm unloading the car, and she's going into the ministry center, I would load stuff, and she's talking to God. God, what am I supposed to do with this man you gave me? Now, some of you other women probably felt the same way about your husband at certain times in your life. I'm sure all of you have been there, because your husband, if he's a man, you know, he probably hasn't done everything like you want him to do 100% of the time in your life. So, And I obviously that day didn't do things like Cheryl wanted me to do it, and so she's fussing and at me and at God. What am I supposed to do with this man you gave me? And the Lord spoke to her clearly, said, just love him. Wow, thank God, thank God, thank God for the Lord. <laughs> so she comes running to the back door and says, "Honey, you out there?" And I said, "Yes, I'm out here. I'm doing." She said, "Are you coming back to the minister's center in a minute?" I said, "Yes, just a minute." And so I got up there and I walked up, she's crying, she grabbed me, and she said, "Will you forgive me?" And I said, "Of course." I said, "What happened?" She said, "God spoke to me and told me to love you." <laughs> I looked up and said, Thank you, Lord. I really needed that today. <laughs> Isn't God awesome? He is awesome. You know, He's so awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because He's really there. And He's listening to everything. He's listening to our little fights, you know, that we have. He's listening when we love. And so, I told Cheryl the other day, I said, Honey, I'm going... I've seen God do awesome things. But I'm not happy where I am. So I said, I know the only thing between me And these more supernatural miracles than I've seen is my love walk. And so I'm turning over a new leaf. I said, I'm going to do everything that God can do through me. I'm going to turn over a new leaf, and I'm going to walk in love to all people at all times. So I'm trying my best to really walk in that love walk 100% of the time. You know, it's not easy, is it? It's not easy, but I'm trying. And the reason I want to get there, I don't want to talk evil about nobody or nothing, no one. I want to walk in love so that when I speak in the name of Jesus, you see Jesus show up. And, I mean, that's, that's where I want to get. And I trust that that's why you're here today, too. You want to get there also. So i want to show you some things now. Today, I'm going to do a lot of teaching out of the book of Job. Job, I mean, I've taught a lot out of the first few chapters of the book of Job, but I've never taught out of the last chapters of the book of Job. Now, I mean, many times I've talked about how righteous and holy Job was. I've used him as an example in many teachings, because in the first couple, two or three chapters of the book of Job, God said he's upright and perfect in all of his ways. But somebody will say, well, see, but Job was upright and perfect. God even said he was but, and it said there was not a man like him on the earth. He was one of a kind. How would you like for God to say that about you? You were one of a kind. You were the most lovely, loving woman or man. And God would say that about you. I can only dream about going to a place like that. But people say, see, but Job was made sick. He had sickness and disease. And he didn't have any sin. But God didn't say that. God didn't say he didn't have no sin. And later, whenever Job's friends came to him, and Job was in such bad shape that he looked so awful that his friends, when they saw him, they couldn't even talk to him for seven days. I mean, how would you like to walk up to a friend you come to minister to you, you heard he's sick and really down bad, and you you and your couple of your friends, you all go over to minister to him, and you sat down with him, and for seven days... You can't even open your mouth and say something because he looks so awful. What do you think he looked like? He looked awful. I mean, awful, awful. You know, so then, of course, for days, they began to tell him what he'd done wrong.
4: <clears throat>
0: and for days, Job tried to tell him, I am not a sinner. I haven't done anything wrong. And then finally, there was a little guy called Elihu, which we had... Never, if you don't get over into the last twelve books, last ten or twelve books of the book of Job, you'll never know this little guy existed. Well, a lot of guys, a lot of people wonder where this young man came from. So we're going to talk a little bit about this today, and I want to show you something. And the reason I'm going here is because the other night I woke up in the wee hours of the morning, three o'clock or something like this, and I needed to go to the bathroom. So I got up to go to the bathroom, and I, when I started to get up, I reached over there, and there's nobody in bed with me. Well, usually my wife is in bed with me, but tonight she's not there. I, well, I wonder where she's at. So I get up and I walk in the bathroom, and she's in the bathroom already, and she's sitting there reading the Bible at 3 o'clock in the morning. And when I walk in, she says, Honey, have you read this in Job 33? And I said, well, yeah, I've read the book of Job through a few times. But she said, in the NLT, I have never seen this this clear. And she read me some verses in the NLT, which we're going to discuss in a few minutes. And she said, I have never seen it put this clear in my life. And, of course, we read that. And she said, you know, I've read it in the, in the English, I mean, in the uh, King James, and it doesn't say that. I said, well, let's go get the King James. Let's go get the Amplified. So we go back and jump up in the middle of the bed, turn the lights all on, and until 5 a.m. in the morning, we have Bible study over the book of Job, these three or four chapters. We read them in every translation. And I finally showed her. I said, it says the same thing in every one of these chapters, verse, and book. But I said, you can easily miss it in the King James. Easily miss it. I mean, it's so easy just to read right over it. But boy in the NLT, if you got your brain turned on, and I mean, she had hers turned on that morning, God just jumped those words right out of there to let her know. She said, "Wow, if I'd only known this years ago, well hey, <laughs> yeah, if we'd only known this years ago, it would have changed her life." Now then, Job 33 is where we're going to start. Job 33, and I'm going to be reading out of the NLT. Because it's so clear, now you can follow along in whatever translation you have, but some of you, does anybody in here have an NLT today with me? Oh, okay, we got several of them, okay. If you have an NLT, then mine will read just like yours, but if you don't, it'll read a little bit different, but not a whole lot. Uh, this is what Elihu responds to Job's friends. This is what this is all about. It said, Job three friends refused to reply further to him because he kept listening or insisting on his innocence. Job 33 verse one. Or oh, am I 32? Yes. Okay, I put that down wrong then. Okay, Job 32 is where I started. Okay, I need to. I'll have to make sure that I change that in my computer. I make myself a note here that I'm in Job 32. Okay, 32 is where I started. The reason I know when I put that Job 33, when I was typing that out a while ago, because chapter 33 is the main crux of what I want to get to. But I wanted to start in 32. That's right. It says, Then Elihu, the son of whatever, uh, of of the clan of Ram, became angry. He was angry because Job refused to admit that he had sinned. Now, this is a young man. This is a young man. Elihu is a young guy. He says he was angry because Job refused to admit that he had sinned and that God was right in punishing him. Now, see, Job had not agreed with this up to now. Job's saying, I didn't sin. I didn't do nothing wrong. You know, God's, he's, he's not hearing my prayers. You know, I mean, I had done a thing wrong. Now, some of you may feel the same way. But, you know, the thing about it is, what I have learned about life I didn't know what sin was. You know, I mean, when I think about what sin is, I'm going to give you an example of how after I learned how to walk by faith, when the Lord, once I learned to walk by faith and learned to walk in obedience to God's Word and learned to receive Jesus as my healer, as I was doing that, I was walking in divine health. Now, God told me in His Word, in the book of James, He says, It doesn't pay good dividends to be a master of many things. He said, you know, if you're going to be a teacher, then I'm going to hold you responsible for the Word, much more so than I will somebody that's not a teacher of the Word. He said, I'm going to expect you, if you're a teacher of my Word, to walk in obedience to my Word. He said, now then, I might let a baby get by with something, But you're an adult Christian. I will not let you get by with those sins. You all know where I'm coming from, right? So I am on my way to becoming an adult, mature Christian. I am learning the Word, studying it, spending dozens of hours a week, studying the Word of God, spending time with God, seeing Him begin to do miracles, answer my prayer in mighty ways and everything else. And then one day I'm sitting there in my office, and a man walks in. I'm in mean, complete divine health. I don't have a thing wrong with me just like right now. I'm in perfect health. And a guy walks in, and he's, he's the general manager of the plant, and I was the regional engineer over the region. He says, Thurman, have you read this facts? I said, well, I don't know. So he handed it to me, and it says, if certain things were to happen in our company, they might have to close the engineering division, which I was in charge of on, in, for the region. And I thought, Gee, I looked at it, and then I voiced this out loud. Gee, if they close the engineering division, I wonder what's going to happen to me. Now, does that sound like a bad sin? Would you consider that a sin? But see, the Word of God says, Let every man be a liar, and God alone be true. Well, His Word says that we, once we become Christians... We're no longer our own. We belong to Him. And He says we are supposed to trust Him for everything. Is that true? Okay. If I'm supposed to trust Him for everything, was I trusting Him for my provisions or was I trusting that company? I was trusting that company. And I voiced that. And the minute I voiced that, instantly, that quick, it's like you hit me in the head with a sledgehammer. My head was immediately stopped up. Sinuses were completely plugged. I had a splitting headache like you had just hit me in the head with a hammer. And sinus fluid began to run out of both nostrils off of my chin before I could reach and get a Kleenex. That's how quick a demon entered my body. And that's how quick I was made sick. Somebody said, well, that doesn't sound like a very bad sin. But to God, with where he had brought me and what he had taught me, that was beyond his limitations. He would not let me get by with that. I hold you accountable for that. It made, it opened a door to a devil. A demon came in, and I was instantly made sick. Well, the man that was standing looked at me and said, Good grief, did a river just break loose in your head? Well, there was no use trying to explain to a man that doesn't know anything about spiritual things what happened, because he's not going to understand it. I just said no. And I reached over and got a clinic, began to blow my nose, and in a minute or two, he left. Then I immediately repented. I said, Lord, I am so sorry that I sinned. Now, see, Elihu was mad at Job because he would refuse to acknowledge he was a sinner. Well, I knew I'd sinned. So the first thing I did was acknowledge to God, Lord, I'm a sinner. I missed it. I I just broke your rule. And so I ask you to forgive me. Now, I said, now then, I also know that since I've asked you to forgive me, that I am forgiven. Because First John one nine promises it right. If First John one nine, when you come to the Lord, when He says, and see, that's another scripture that that director of that camp out there in Wisconsin said. First John one nine took on a whole new meaning to me. That when God says, if you will confess your sins, I am righteous and just to forgive your sins and to restore you to fellowship. He said I've been a Christian several years, but he said First John one nine took on a whole new meaning. It became real to him and when he confessed his sins God delivered him set him free of his epilepsy and everything and now then being a director of the camp and I might throw this in too since it was in his letter he said i tried my best I wanted after I got healed I wanted to bring you out here to teach at our camp he said I want to talk to our our director the main man and he said well no problem and so said we made arrangements to bring you up here and they contacted me and wanted me to come and we were set up to go And then his director said, "Do you have any of this man's teachings?" He said, "Oh yeah, several of them." He said, "Well, could I listen to some?" And he gave them to him, and he listened to one or two, and he come back and said, "Never will that man teach at this camp. Never." And so he said, "I guess he doesn't agree with God's word because the only thing I've ever heard you say is God's word. Case closed. I never got to go to Wisconsin to speak at that camp. Isn't that amazing?" Well, see. Everybody that's Christians, or say they're Christians, don't believe God's Word. All of them don't. So, only God knows who's His children and who's not. So, I can't make a judgment on who he, what He is and what He's not. All I know is when He heard what I taught from God's Word. And the man that's the director of his camp got healed through my teaching. He still would not let me come out there. So, there's something wrong with this picture, isn't there? Something wrong. Guess what it is? There's a battle going on. Between the spirit worlds. And it's God and the devil. So we understand that. So anyway. As I stood on God's word for my healing. With my nose. I began to rebuke the enemy. And command him to leave. Now then once you get all your sins repented of. There is a powerful scripture in God's word. Luke chapter 10 verse 19 and 20. That guarantees that you have power over the enemy. Now I didn't know that for a lot of years. But Luke chapter 10 verse 19 and 20 make you this promise. Jesus is speaking and he says, Behold, I give unto you authority or power to tread on the devil and his demons. All power is given to you over them. They shall in no wise hurt you. Nevertheless, rejoice not in this that those evil spirits have to be subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now, is that an awesome two scriptures? See, now God gave that power to you as a son or a daughter of his, providing your sins are repented of. Now, if you're living in some kind of sin, that verse won't work for you. The devil, if you try to come against him when he has legal right to you, he will intensify his battle against you. He will hurt you worse. He will not yield to you. You cannot cast out a demon that has a legal right to be there. Those devils are sent there. Now, I'm going to say something to you that may shock you, but those devils or demons are sent to you by God. Isn't that amazing? He has given the devil certain rights to do certain things. When certain sins are committed, there is a... Order of demons, they're called principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies. Now, our king came to this earth 2,000 years ago and totally defeated the devil. Totally defeated him. And if you don't know that, boy, there's all over the Bible, you can read it. But the clearest place you can read it is in Colossians chapter 1 and chapter 2. Clearly, those scriptures tell you that Jesus defeated the enemy. Satan has been defeated. Now then, all power in Matthew 28... All power has been given to Jesus in heaven and earth. He's in control. All power. The devil today can't take a breath, couldn't bat an eyelash without Jesus is okay. Jesus is in control. So, all through the Scriptures, we learn all through there that the Lord says, If you will be obedient to me and do what I say, you don't have to worry about the devil. I will keep him off of your back. I mean, if... a while ago, Paul was telling me, he said, I have committed to re- re- memorize within the next few days or weeks, whatever he said. I forgot how many days. He said, I'm going to memorize Psalms 91. I told him, I said, that is a great 16 verses to memorize. You memorize those 16 verses and get them in your heart. The thing you've got to know about that Psalm, it will not work for you unless you do the first two verses. The first two verses says you have to make Him, God, the Most High God, your dwelling place. You've got to dwell with Him. That means you've got to talk to Him. You've got to go to church. You've got to study His Word. You've got to spend time with Him and not go to church on Sunday. Spend one hour in church. Grumble because you went, because your wife drug you to church. Or your husband drug you to church. And then you come home Sunday afternoon and plop yourself down and read all the newspapers in the community. Or you watch the sports or the soap operas or anything else. If you spend all that time with the world, you're going to have trouble getting healed from God. In fact, he will send a devil to your house. And you won't like the results. And he will come and make you sick and afflict you and torment you and your spouse and your children And you will not enjoy what happens. But if you want to be free from the devil, it's real easy. You walk in obedience to God's word. You do exactly what the king said. You put him first. And you say of the Lord, he's my refuge, he's my strength, he's my God, and him will I trust. I love him and praise him. And then if you'll read and study Psalms 91, you'll see those were the first two verses of Psalms 91. Then verse 3, he says, and I will keep the fowler or the devil, away from you, and I will take all of the and pestilences or the raging epidemics away from you, and you won't have any of them. No sickness and disease will come near your house. Now, I like that, don't you? I like that. But see, it has a requirement. Well, when you get over into the New Testament, he even makes it a little clearer in 1 John 5:18, He says, My children do not sin. In other words, whoo! I mean, the first time I read First John five eighteen, 18, I said, Lord, you mean that your children do not sin? Lord, I was raised up in church. They said, I'm just an unworthy sinner saved by grace, and I sin all day, every day. So what that book says and what I've been taught, don't, don't align. something wrong here. I said, now, one of these has got to be wrong. Well, when I read that scripture, one day it says, let every man be a liar. And only God be true. I thought, wait a minute, Lord. I guess that means that what I hear somebody say, I better not listen to anybody except you and your word. If I want to walk in divine health. And I'm telling you that's true. If you want to do it and do it you want to receive what God has in the Word, you're going to have to do it his way and not anybody else's. Now He's He is God. And you can, you can do anything you want to. He's given you the freedom to do anything you want to do. But Paul tells us that clearly. But it will bring forth sickness and disease into your house. And it will not bring forth divine health. But if you do it God's way, it will bring health to you and your family. It's a wonderful thing to walk in divine health. To walk with God and be obedient to Him and do what He says. And to think. Just think. The church We were designed, once we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we were also designed to receive Him as our deliverer and our healer and and as our provider and everything. And if we, the church, will walk in obedience to God's Word and study His Word and put Him first and go to church and tithe and do everything the Lord told us to do in His Word, He will bless our socks off. I mean, you won't be sick. In fact, I was in the home yesterday of a man... And this man told me that his mother, or one of the men that was there, it wasn't the man there, his mother, but it was one of the other men that was there, said that woman right there, woman of God, said, I forget, she's 85 or something like that. Uh, She's a beautiful woman running and going and doing things. And said she's not been to a doctor in over 40 years. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Praise God. But that woman's a woman that serves the king. And she's put him first. I mean, she's put him first. Now, how would you like to be 85, running and playing and doing all this and hadn't been to a doctor in 40 years? How many of you women would like to be like that, huh? Hey, if you didn't hold up your hand, something wrong with you. (laughs) I mean, I want to be a man 85 years old and hadn't been to a doctor in 40 years, too. Uh, I won't quite be able to make that, but I won't be far. You know, because I'm only 67 right now, coming up on 68 shortly, but I had not been to one in 25 years. So, by the time I get to be 85, I can say that. You know, praise the King. But it requires you and me walking in obedience totally, completely to God's Word. And if you don't know what it says, you can't walk there. You'll have to learn to study the Word. But as you learn to study the Word, like myself, when this demon of hell came upon me and I repented of my sins, I'm still commanding this devil to leave. And he's not leaving. Now, I know I've repented. I mean, I know i repented. The Word of God says if I repent, He forgives me. So now then, I'm commanding the devil to leave. And of course I began I know the scriptures and I began to get so bold with this, even in the workplace where I am, I'd be walking along, I'd go to lunch and I'd sit down and I'd bless my food and I said, Now you devil of hell that's caused my nose to run, somebody'd look at me and say, Boy, you sure got a runny nose. I said, Yeah, I opened the door to the devil yesterday and that beast come in and I'm driving him out. I said, You devil of hell, in the name of Jesus I command you to leave and they said, Maybe I ought to go set somewhere else <laughs> But see they didn't understand the spiritual world like I did. Now, then, if you if you run into a strong Christian and knows what they're doing, they say, let me join in with you. We'll drive that devil out of you in the name of Jesus. See? You know what we should do? I think about us just like I was. I'd walk into church years ago as a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, and I'd walk up, and here comes Brother Paul, you know, and I'd say, good morning, Brother Paul. How you doing? He said, oh, I, mean, I got a runny nose, you know, and I got to stop up. head. I guess I'm coming down with a flu. I said, well, yeah, look like you're coming down with a flu. Probably about three or four weeks, you'll be all right. Go home and take some medication. Yeah. I mean, there was no faith in nothing. Either one of us did. Now, I never did that to him. I just used him as an example. But do we do that? Yes, we do. You know what we should do as Christians? Somebody says, Oh, I feel awful this morning. I'm coming down with the flu. I so, said, well, repent of your sins. If your sins of unbelief, let me kick this devil out of you in the name of Jesus, and you get healed. That's what we ought to start doing. And if we do... People, you're going to be amazed when you start doing those things in faith, which I started doing those 20 or so years ago, just like Alan was sharing with us there a while ago some of these men that he shared with and taught them these things, led them to Christ, and taught them about healing and everything else. Look at what those men are doing in those prisons. I mean, when you're walking in power with God, when you pray for people and He heals a a crushed toe, puts a toenail back on it like a brand new one, you know, it, when he heals a broken leg in front of all those... Hey, nobody believes in Jesus much in them prisons. That's why they're all there. You know, and if all them Muslims and everybody, if 30 men sees a man with a broken leg instantly healed and he can walk, hey, they want to know how this happened. See, now, that's where you and me need to be walking. Out in the world. That's how we need to be walking. In power with God. So when we pray, the king shows up and does those kind of things for us. Well, I'm rebuking this devil commanding him to leave and he's not leaving you know but people don't understand so e- even when i went home that first night my wife at the time which was betty the one i was married to 41 years before she was killed in a car wreck she t- said you got allergies. you got so asthma uh let me give you some medication i said no no i said it's a demon i took on a demon today and i'm going to kick him out well she thought something was wrong with me too but by the next day, she said, honey, you know, you, you know you, you, you're just. You, let me take you to the doctor. I said, no, it's a devil of hell, and I'm kicking him out. Anyway, third and fourth day, you know, I've still got it. I'm rebuking the devil, and, you know, somebody said, well, okay, something wrong with you. You know, you say you repented, and you say you're driving away this devil, and you say he's got to go, but he ain't going. I said, but he's going to go. I guarantee he's going to go. Well, that fourth morning, that fourth morning, I became violent. I became violent with the Word of God. I said, now, Lord, I know I have repented of every sin. I know your Word says I have power of this devil. I said, devil, in the name of Jesus, you're going and you're going now, and I'm not taking no for an answer. Now, see, I'd repented three days ago. This is actually the fourth day. I am screaming, driving down the road in my pickup, just me and God and the devil. Ain't nobody else in that pickup but me, and I'm on the way to work that fourth morning, I'm screaming the word of God, I mean, I, my, vow, my voice is up there, and I'm screaming at that devil, and I'm telling him, you're out of here, and I am not taking no for an answer, and then I remembered, I said, and when Jesus was casting the demons out of the, man, the two wicked men of Gadara that run through the tombs, he told them to go, and they left. And they went into the hogs. I said, you devils of hell, Jesus said it. Jesus said, I can do the same thing he did, only greater. So I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to go. And I reached out and hit the dash of my pickup and screamed, go, in the name of Jesus. And immediately, they left just like they came in. And my headache pain was gone. My head was totally stopped up. And I sat back in my pickup and I thought, wow, I can breathe perfectly. This is awesome. And all of a sudden it looked like it was in the clouds. Now I don't know whether it was in my head, I don't know where it was, but I saw a great big flying marquee that said, Matthew eleven twelve. I saw a vision and I said, Wow. Matthew eleven twelve. I said, Lord, I've read that verse a hundred times and I have never understood what that verse means until right now. Matthew eleven twelve says, since the coming of John the Baptist. The kingdom of heaven. Where's the kingdom of heaven today? Where is it? Right here in you and me. It says the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. Who do you think we suffer violence from? The devil. But he said the violent takes it by force. What had I done? I I was wrestling against a herd of demons... That Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, any of you know what a wrestling match is like? You know, I mean, I don't care if you're men or women... But if two guys, I wrestled in high school my last year, when two of us guys come together in that ring, we come out there, you know, and we get a hold of each other. It's usually, both of us are about six foot tall. Both of us weigh 170 or 80 pounds. And it's not, somebody just don't reach up and grab you by the shirt collar, or I mean by the uh, collar, and throw you onto that and say, it's over. It's a struggle. I mean, you're, I mean, you know, and you're all over the, you know, you're trying to throw the other one down. But you can't do it. And if you keep at it long enough, sooner or later, do all the movement, one of you is going to fall, trip, or something. But if you stand your ground in this wrestling match, guess who's going to be the winner? You are. You're going to win your battle, just like I did that morning. I commanded that devil to leave. I was wrestling with that beast for the fourth day. But when I got violent with him, I mean, it's just like physically... When I was in that ring, if I, my, I'm going to pump a little extra adrenaline, and I'm going to throw this guy on the mat, and I'm going to pin him. And when I put that shot in there, sometimes I could do it, and sometimes I couldn't. But this day, I did it to the devil. I mean, I threw him on the mat. I kicked him loose. And when I did, with the Word of God, he left, and I was instantly healed. And then when I saw that flying marquee that said Matthew 11:12, I knew right there. I got a principle from God's Word that if I can get people to repent of their sins, and we stand on His Word by faith, you will be healed every time. Every time. Because Jesus made you a promise. He said in that 1 John 5.18 we read a while ago, that we quoted, if you turned over and read 1 John 5.18, He clearly says, my children do not sin. How many of you have sinned since you became a Christian? All of us. So what does he mean? You go back and really research it, you'll find out. He says, my children do not practice sinning. I mean, you won't make a mistake once in a while, but it doesn't mean you get up every day and sin. You don't practice sinning. You don't practice watching the wrong kind of shows on television. You don't practice going out lying to somebody. You don't practice going out and sleeping around on your mate once a week or something like that. You don't practice sinning. Maybe make a mistake once in a while under certain conditions. Yes. Every Christian does that once in a great while. But you know what the goal is for Christians? No sin. I mean, it's all over the Word. No sin. That's the goal. Jesus said, my children, do not sin. And that's what he meant. If we walk holy and obedient to his Word without sin, then he says, if you keep yourself from evil, then the evil one cannot touch you. Is that good news? So if we walk in obedience to His Word, the devil comes by your house and he said, Oh, this little lady over here today, I'm going to make her sick. And the Lord says, Oh, you are, are you? He said, you look at her life. There's no sin in her life. She has not practiced sinning. She's walking obedient to My Word. She's loving Me. She's spending time with Me. And He says, I'm going to get her anyway. And as a big angel steps right between them, he grabs the devil by the naps of the neck and throws him out the door and says, No, you're not going to touch her. You ain't going to touch her. You have no legal claim to her. So you can't touch her. Now, is that good news? That's good news. Now then, what if the devil walks by and he says, Oh, there's a little sin. She's been gossiping. She's been grumbling and complaining to the neighbors about something. And God said in his word, You're to do everything without grumbling and complaining. Philippians 2.14, so she's been grumbling and complaining. Oh, now I've got legal right to get her. And that angel just steps back and says, I'll have to hearken to the Word of God. I can only do what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says, she's to do everything without grumbling and complaining. She's been grumbling and complaining. He has legal right to torment her. Now, that's not good news, is it, that the devil has legal right to you? Because guess how many Christians I've met that grumble and complain? A whole lot of them do until they find out the truth, and then they, like me, they quit. You don't grumble and complain. I mean, we had a little lady sitting right over here with this lady sitting in the black dress. Well, not right there in that same chair. There was a little lady sitting there. She, when she came in that night, she'd come in like this. On Tuesday night Bible study. I said, what's wrong with you? She said, before I leave tonight, you've got to pray for me. i got a crick in my neck has been killing me. I said, okay, no problem. We was, Do what? Somebody say something? We were getting ready to uh, teach, so I didn't pray for her then. So we got started teaching, and that night I was teaching in Philippians. So when I came to Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, I said, the Lord says right here in His Word that we as Christians are to do all things without murmuring and complaining. I said, now, how many of you murmur and complain? And she thought to herself, oh, my goodness, I do a lot of that, especially lately. I said, I made the statement, if you break God's spiritual laws, it opens a door to the demonic world. And the devil will come in to torment you. I said, it's just a spiritual principle. She broke a spiritual law, or you would if you do this. And she's thinking, oh, my goodness, two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, I come in on Monday morning and everything didn't go just right. So she said, I started grumbling and complaining. And she said, the next day it got worse. And the next day it got worse. And the more I grumbled and complained, the worse things got. And then by the weekend, this crick began to come up on my neck. And now I'm grumbling not about work, but also but about my neck too. If it's if it's not work that the problem is, now it's my crick in my neck. She doesn't realize the crick in her neck is a result of her grumbling and complaining. So Tuesday night Bible study, she's here with her crick in her neck, she's been grumbling for over a week now, and she's in tremendous pain, and she says, Lord, that's me. She's talking silently to God. She's not talking out loud because I'm teaching a Bible study class. She said, Lord, I repent. That's me. I have grumbled and complained for over a week, but Lord, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that verse was in your word. But now that I know it's in there, I ask you to forgive me, and i make you a promise. I won't grumble and complain no more. And instantly, the crick was gone. She was instantly healed, sitting in her chair right there. Is God awesome? Is He awesome? Now then, why do we as Christians suffer what we suffer? Because we don't know what God says. We don't know what He says. Now, if He says in His Word, His Word is spiritual law. You know, that's what it is. It's truth and it's spiritual law. And he holds you and me accountable to every word written in his spiritual law. If he said do all things without grumbling and complaining, what do you think he meant? What do you think he meant, young lady? Oh, just exactly what he said. And since he's the boss, I think he's big enough to make it happen, don't you? So if we break his law, we start grumbling and complaining, He'd say, okay, Satan, you can send a demon to attack that little gal right there. Her name's so-and-so. She's grumbling and complaining. Or if it happens to be Thurman, he's no respecter of persons. Oh, Thurman's grumbling and complaining today. You have legal right to torment him. And that beast can make my day miserable. You know, I used to wonder why things would go bad during a day, and all of a sudden I'd realize, hey, I grumbled and complained a little bit this morning. Lord, I repent, I, I, I'm not going to go there no more, I ask you to forgive me. Now then, I command this devil to leave me in the name of Jesus, and my, all my problems went away. All you have to do is repent. Isn't that amazing? God is the one who said this, but we have not believed him. Now, here, here's the way to look at this. If you are a father, and you have children, and you tell your six-year-old, or what, ten-year-old, or whatever they are, to not go out and do certain things. If they do, you're going to have to give them three licks with a board. And you look out the window in a few minutes, and they're out there doing exactly what you told them not to do. Now, what's Daddy going to do if he's a good Daddy? You're going to go out there and pick up and say, did I tell you not to do that? Yes, Daddy, you did. Well, why did you do it? Well, I guess just because I wanted to. Well, then I don't want to do this, but i are going to have to. I promise you three licks, so... Whap, whap, whap. And if they cry and everything, you know. Now then next time they got a choice to think about the three whap, whap, whaps or to not do this. But see, when you get a hold of the same picture that's going on in the spirit world, when you get a hold of this, that God is allowing these spirits to come to you to torment you when you break his law and to make you sick and afflict you and bring pain upon you, you'll stop sinning. Because nobody likes pain and nobody likes to be sick. Do you like to get a whipping when you were a child? No, I never did like it. And so it didn't take me long after I had a few of those, I realized Daddy meant what he said. So if he said, don't do something, I didn't do it. Because I didn't want to get that razor strap. Dad used a razor strap. That's back in the days when they used to shave, you know, and had those razor straps. Some of you today, younger people, won't know what a razor strap is, but I knew what it was. And it was about that wide, and it hurt. It was about that long, <laughs> and it was a leather belt, and it had a hook on the end of it. He always used a hook to hold and hit me with the rest of it. But it didn't take many times I got, hey, that's it, forget it, no more of this nonsense. I mean, breaking his rules. So I stopped getting spankings. So when I realized, finally it finally took me a long time to learn that God meant the same thing. And so when he does, I tried my best to stop sinning. And guess what? You don't get sick no more. It's amazing. So, now then let's go back to the book of Job 32, where Elihu, he was actually upset. He was angry because Job refused to admit that he had sinned and that God was right in punishing him. Now, I'm going to tell you, God's never wrong. If he's punishing you just like he was punishing Job, God is never wrong. That's why when I say, if you're sick, you have sin in your life. Now, a lot of people don't want to hear that. You know, I mean, I might be the best dad, grandfather, mother, grandmother. And I've had people say, my grandmother died with cancer, and she was the best woman. I, If there was a Proverbs 31 woman, she was the best one I ever seen. But you only knew what you saw on the outside. God knew the inside. There is times when the best grandmother in the world... That seems to be the best in the world. She's got a grudge against her husband, or a grudge against her one of her children, or against another relative. But she won't tell you about it, and you might think that grandmother is the best grandmother in the world, but there's one person she will never talk to you about, and she can't stand that person. She's got a grudge. That grudge will bring cancer on her body. It'll do it. Now, she can be the best grandmother in the world. But if she's got unforgiveness, she's in big trouble. It's going to bring sickness and disease, and it's not only going to bring sickness and disease to her, but it's going to bring sickness and disease to her spouse as well. And if that mother has that and she has children under the age of accountability, it'll bring sickness and disease to the children, and it'll also give the devil legal right to your entire financial world. All of it. Unforgiveness is the most devastating sin you can have. Now, all that is clearly laid out for you in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 35. A lot of people fail to see that, but there's, we, Cheryl and I have noticed in the last uh, couple of years that we've been married and traveling around, ministering to people, almost without exception, if you have cancer. If you have cancer, there is either yourself or your spouse has unforgiveness towards someone. It's almost 100% of the time. So, unforgiveness is a devastating thing in your life. And who would ever think that unforgiveness... Just think. In fact, let's just talk about that. Since we're talking about Elihu was angry at Job because he would refuse to repent of his sin or say he had sin. let's go to Matthew 18... 21 through 35 in the New Testament, and I want to show you and talk to you a little bit about these verses. Now, I'll be talking about this mostly in the King James, but I'm going to paraphrase it for you since it's so long a scripture, I'm not going to read every scripture, I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. But in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 35, Jesus and Peter were walking along, and Jesus was asked a question by Peter. Peter said, Lord, How many times must I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? I mean, Peter thought he was on safe ground. I mean, who could ever dream if somebody done something wrong to you that you had to forgive them seven times in one day? I mean, so he does something wrong to you? It's your husband, I'm assuming. huh? Oh, fiancé, okay. So, fiancé, then this is not quite the same as being married yet, but as a fiancé... If he does something you don't like one time in a day, you got to forgive him, right? But if he does the same dumb thing seven times in one day, what are you going to do? Woo! Now, I ain't going to ask you to answer that. I'm not going to get you in trouble. Oh, there you go. She had the right answer. I'm not sure if she believes that yet. But she knows she's got to forgive him. Now, you're not going to want to if he does something wrong seven times in one day, right? Okay, but now Peter's on, he was on safe ground too, that if we do something seven times, he offends me seven times in one day, do I have to forgive him seven times? And you know what Jesus told him? No, Peter, not seven times, but 70 times seven. 490 times. So, if this lovely fiancé of yours, if he messes up 490 times in one day, what do you got to forgive him? Every time. Is that going to be hard to do? Sooner or later you're going to say, hey, why don't you straighten your act up, right? (laughs) But see... I mean, that, you see, there's, there, in other words, if there's something this important, if Jesus says it's that important that she forgives him 490 times in one day, there must really be a consequence to that, right? Why else would God tell you to do that? Well, let me tell you why. He's, after he told Peter that, he said, Peter, let me give you an example of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like this. And then he says, there was a man you know, that, that owed his master 10,000 talents. That's billions of dollars in today's money. So you think you had a big debt. You read that and say 10,000 talents, that's $10,000. That's not much money. No, but 10,000 talents back in those days was equivalent to billions of dollars. Now, how would you like to owe somebody $3.8 billion today? That's a big debt, isn't it? In other words, that that begins to make sense now. $3.8 billion is approximately what that's worth in today's money. And he says, the man didn't have the money to pay. So the king comes and says, it's time you pay your bill. And you ain't got that money. And you say, Lord, I don't have that money. He says, okay, then I'm going to sell you And your spouse, and your children, and your houses, and your lands, and everything you have to pay your debt. Now, who was going to have to pay the price? Only him or everybody? His spouse? Everybody is going to have to pay the debt. I mean, the man owed it, but his wife's going to have to be sold, she's going into slavery. His children, his lands, his houses, his cars, his bank account, his boat, everything he's got is going to be seized by the government or the king. And the man is really going to pay diligently. But it says the man fell on his knees and worshipped the king. Now, that's the first thing he done right. He fell before the king and he worshipped him. And when you need something from God, what's the first thing you need to do? You need to fall on your knees before Him and worship Him. See, this is all in here as an as a example. If you're not willing to worship Him, guess what you're not going to get from Him? There's a little Phoenician woman. He came and said, Lord, my daughter lies at home, vexed with a demon. Will you come and heal her? What did he say? He just kept on walking. She comes up, falls at him, says, Lord, my daughter lies at home, vexed with a demon. Please come and heal her. He don't even look down at her. The disciples say, you want me to run her off? She's bothering you. He don't say nothing. And he says, she came and fell at his feet and worshipped. And he stopped. Now she's worshipping. He says, woman, is there something I can do for you? Now she's worshipping now. Big difference. Can I do something for you? She said, yes, master. My daughter lies at home vexed with a demon. Will you come and heal her? He said, I didn't come for nobody but the children of Israel. He said, besides that woman, you're just a dog. Oh. Now, some of you women, if Jesus said you're just a dog, how would you feel? Well, if that's the way you're going to treat me then, then you just go fly a kite. No, that's not what she said. She said, I know I'm a dog. But she said, the dogs, the puppy dogs, get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. He said, woman, for this thing, your daughter is healed. Go home. And she got up and left and went home, and her daughter was healed. Now then, what did that woman do? She fell at his feet and worshipped him. If you're not willing to worship the king, you know what you're going to get from him? Very little, maybe nothing. He loves to be worshipped. Somebody said, well, I ain't going to worship Him. I said, okay, be sick. Live in defeat all your life. But let me tell you, I ain't never found nothing to pay good dividends in worshipping the King. I mean, worshipping Him, it pays great dividends. He loves for you to worship Him. And I love to worship Him. I love to worship the King. He is worthy to be worshipped and praised. But anyway... When we come back to the story in Matthew 18, after he said this man was going to be sold with his family and everything and all of his assets and everything else. And the man fell on his face and worshipped worship, and says, Lord, be patient with me. I will pay it all. Now, see, this again is a picture of our debt that we owe the king for our sins. And we come to him and say, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Because you have worshipped me and because you've asked me, I'm going to forgive the debt. I'm going to forgive all of your sins. I'm going to clean you up. And you don't owe me a dime. Would that make you happy, young lady? Hey, oh, yeah. I'm telling you, this girl, she's a smart girl up here. She's just been, been forgiven $3.8 billion. Hey, and you get to keep everything, right? Woo, all them nice dresses and all that stuff you bought with that, all that money. Now you get to keep it. You don't get to get it taken away from you. And so anyway, he's happy. And then the man goes out. He's happy as he can be. And then he runs up and he sees a guy and this guy owes him 100 pence. That's about $3,000 in today's money. He says, hey, you owe me a hundred pence. Pay me a hundred denarii. Pay me the money you owe me. And the guy says, I don't have the money, but you give me a little time. He grabs him by the neck, starts choking him. He says, no, I'm not going to give you any time. You pay me. The guy falls down. He's choking him. He said, pay me. He said, I'm sorry, I don't have the money, but give me time I will. He says, no, throw him into prison until he pays me the $3,000 he owes me. And it says the servants saw what happened. And they went and told the king. This guy that you forgive, that huge debt, he had a brother that owed him a little tiny debt, and he wouldn't forgive him. And the king says, bring me that worthless, wicked servant. Now, how would you like to be called a worthless, wicked servant? Not, Not by the king anyway, right, Paul? So he brought him in. He said, didn't I forgive you that huge debt when you asked me? He said, yes, master. He said, then shouldn't you have done likewise to your brother? He said, now then, because you didn't, I'm going to turn you over to the tortures. Who do you think the torturers are? The devil and his demon. I'm turning you over to the tortures and you're going to be tormented until you pay me every penny you owe me. Now, if you owed him $3.8 billion and you couldn't pay it when you was out of jail running around working, what do you think are going to be the chances you ever getting that bit that paid when the tortures have a hold of you? Now, you ain't never. You're going to die being tormented. And that's what cancer is. It's tormenting demons. And in verse 35, Jesus makes this statement. Peter, this is the way my heavenly Father will do each one of you if you do not forgive your brothers from your heart. Now then you know why it's important that you forgive him up to 490 times even in one day. Because you don't want the devil to be turned loose on you, do you? No, I don't either. And then let me make another little statement about this. The Word of God clearly says, If you don't forgive from your heart, your brothers, neither will Jesus forgive you your sins. That's written in two or three different places in the Word of God. How would you like to die in a sin of unforgiveness and show up at the pearly gates and it said, Lord, here I am. And it looks at you and says, Oh, you're that woman that wouldn't forgive. Well, well, yes, Lord, I know, but you don't know what he did to me. Oh, yes, he said, I know what he did to you. But you wouldn't forgive him. But, Lord, he did it 30 times. I know, but I told you, if he did it 490 times to forgive him. And this is why it was so important. Now, because you didn't forgive him, neither can I forgive you. And so instead of coming into heaven... Into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, and you must go to hell and live there forever. You cannot come into the kingdom of heaven. Now, how would you like to show up at the gate and find out that you ain't going to get in because you had a grudge against someone? You see now why Jesus told Peter, no, you don't forgive them seven times in a day. You forgive them 490 times in a day or an infinite number of times, whatever is necessary, because my sons and daughters, if you don't forgive, if you don't forgive, I, God, will send a tormenting spirit to torment you and it will bring sickness and disease upon your body and kill you. And you'll get to go to hell when you die. That's pretty scary, isn't it? That's pretty scary. I don't know about you, but I certainly don't want to go to hell when I die. And I don't want to live on this earth with sickness and disease. Do you? No. So is it worth it? If somebody done something to you, does it, it makes no difference. What they done, it's not worth any of those consequences, is it? No. You just forgive them. I mean, just forgive them. I don't care what they've done to you. Love them. Because see, this is what makes it so good about love. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Jesus says, your faith works by love. If you don't walk in love, your faith cannot work. And if your faith don't work, you don't get nothing from God. Because God said, without faith, you can do nothing. Nothing. Without faith, it's impossible to please me. So, if, Hebrews eleven six. So if you can't please him, and you can't without faith, and you don't walk in love, you can't have any faith. Your faith will not work. But he says, if you walk in love, you walk in faith, and if you walk in love, love covers a multitude of sins. It covers it all. So then you can come to God, and you can walk in a faith that if you and I can walk in the God kind of love, that's when the Lord says, we can come to him and ask him for anything, and He'll do it. Is that a great promise, brother? There's a bunch of them in the book, isn't there? Yeah, I know you know them. Praise God. But just think, over and over and over, Jesus said in His Word, like in John 15:7, If my words abide in you, and you abide in me, then you can ask me for anything, and I will do it for you. Now, is that an awesome promise? What, what kind of limitations did God give His obedient children? That's exactly right. None. Now, how would you like to be serving a God that's limitless of what He's able to do, and He's willing to answer your prayer every time, whatever you ask for, in the name of Jesus? Now then, if you're being led by the Spirit, you will not ask God for anything that's against His will. So you won't run out there and say, okay, God, I'm walking in love. I need $100,000 to buy me a new uh, BMW. See, you won't ever ask him for a stupid thing like that. See, I mean, if you're living in the flesh, yeah, that's what you want. I mean, you know, you want 100000 for a new fancy BMW. You want one better than everybody else's so you can gloat over and say, look what I got. Now, he ain't going to give you that. He ain't going to give you that. You, you're going to be lucky to ride around in a 1946 uh, Volkswagen. You see where I'm coming from? He ain't going to bless you for living in the flesh. You know? But if you're, now if you're walking with God, then you're saying, God, I'm ministering to people over in a certain area of North Dallas that are very affluent, and I need a nice car and a nice suit to be able to minister to these people. He may send you ten beautiful suits, and he may send you a brand new BMW paid for. I said, there, That's it. You need, I know what you need. Now, you get up to do what I told you to do. Now you'll know that He give it to you, and you won't ever gloat over driving that car. You see where I'm coming from? Now, God can give you that kind of stuff. He can bless your socks off if you're about His business. But whatever He blesses you with, you won't use it to gloat over. You know, you'll just say, hey, you know, this is what God gave me. Yeah, I mean, I have this, or I have that, or whatever. Like Paul says, "Whether well, i got a whole bunch, or I don't have nothing. You know, I'm still okay. I'm okay. I've learned to be content with wherever I am, you know. And so, hey, I, if you wake up this morning and you were outside, in fact, Ty and I was talking yesterday about, he showed me a picture of his great-great-grandfather, the one that went to California, great-great-grandfather, and he showed me a picture over in his house. He said, back in the 1800s, wasn't it something? 1800s, he took a herd of cows and went from, I believe, somewhere here in Texas to California, to sell them, and it took four years from to drive them over there. And, yeah, over there and back. It took him four years to make the trip. He said cows were bringing two dollars a piece in Texas. He heard they were bringing a lot more money in California, so he got some guys and they started driving these cows. No highways now. I mean, you ain't got no fences, you know. No highways. It's wide open country in the 1800s, and there's Indians and everything else. And they drive. And I said, man. They had to sleep out on the ground or in a tent. He said, of course, four years, sleep outside. I mean, there was no 7-Elevens to stop by and get you a soda pop. I'm telling you, us today, we wouldn't make it. No, 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 no Dr. Pepper's back in those days either. We, we absolutely couldn't make it. We are so spoiled rotten. If you need a gallon of milk, you run down to the grocery store, right? And you run right back home in your car and you put it in the refrigerator and have your glass of milk. Hey, if you needed some milk, you caught one of them cows and you milked her. You know, you found one that had a calf, you know, and tried to, you know, and some of them probably what they probably had tithes of them down, you know, to milk them. But, you know, there was tough people back in those days. And he said his granddaddy took that herd of cows and the year they got out there was the year the gold rush struck. And he said he sold them cows for $100 apiece and he got filthy rich he got filthy rich. He went not they could have sold him for $2 a piece in here, but he drove him for two or two and a half or 3 years whatever it was on the way out there and with all that struggle and got out there and sold them for $100 a piece and became a filthy rich man in that length of time because he got there just exactly at the right time. Isn't that amazing? Now, how many of us today would make it if we had to just go to Oklahoma City without a car? You had a highway and you had the 7-Eleven, but you got to walk. There ain't not nobody in here would make it. Every one of you, the time you got to didn't, you'd be grumbling and complaining. Nobody stopped to pick me up. Am <laughs> I telling the truth? Sure, we are spawned rotten. And I love it. I love it. But we, we have it so good today, we don't realize how good we have it. You know, I mean, so take these stories that I'm telling you. When you go home this afternoon on the way home, as, as you stop by somewhere to get gas and running to buy you a little bite to eat or drink, say Lord, I want to thank you. I want to praise you that I have this great that we have that my husband has a beautiful car. I don't care if the car is ten or twenty years old. I want to say, Lord, I want to thank you that my husband has got this beautiful car and it runs. We don't have to walk. <laughs> oh, instead of fussing and say, "You need to work harder, to buy me a new car," no, 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 don't go there. Praise the King for what you have. And if you praise the king for what you have, he'll, one day he'll say, you know, because they didn't grumble and complain, they're walking in such love, he said, now it's time for me to give them a new car. And something will happen, you'll come up with a nice one. He will bless you. He loves it when you do what he says. And he says, no grumbling and complaining. Isn't it amazing? But now then, all of these sins that we do, but Elihu, he was mad at Job because Job would not Confess, I'm a sinner. Well, let's face it. If you are sick, you are a sinner. And even if you're not sick, you're probably still a sinner. You probably, if you haven't confessed your sins in the last day or two, you probably have committed one or two. You know, that you need to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. But you and I as Christians need to do the best we can to walk totally in obedience to God's word. We'll read on here about what happened. To Elihu. It says he was angry with Job's three friends because they had condemned God by their inability to answer Job's arguments. Elihu had waited for the others to speak because they were older than him. But when he saw that they had no further reply, he spoke out angrily. Now, you can have a righteous indignation. You know, you can be angry and, and say things, and raise your voice, and still not get out of love. You can still do that. I mean, some people might think that's not possible, but it is possible. You know, you can't... I can remember one time when my son done something I had never screamed out at my son. I mean, I talked to him normal. I never talked to him baby talk. I mean, when my children were growing up, I talked to them like an adult. I never talked baby talk. I talked to them. I talked sentences to them. You know, I wanted them to learn how to communicate. And one day, my son was fixing to do something. He was going to step off of something, and he was going to get hurt severely. And he, he was right near the edge of something. And I screamed, "Timothy, stop!" And boy, when I, I mean, he stopped dead still. You know, he'd never heard Dad's that voice like. He said, "What's wrong, Dad?" And I walked over and I said, "If you took one more step, look what you'd have stepped into." Wow, he said, "Dad, I'm so glad you hollered at me." See. If he'd have heard me holler at him every time he'd done something wrong, that day it would have been, he would have just walked right on into that. And he'd have got hurt. But there's times that you see that. I mean, the other day at the ministry center, I kind of screamed at one of the guys. He was fixing to put his hand over near more, and I said, Get your hand back! Boy, Jump jumped base. What's wrong? I said, Just another foot in front of your hands. A great big wall's nest up under there. And he said, Oh, wow, I'm glad you hollered at me. Now, see, once in a while, you have to jump out there at people, you know. But it doesn't mean you're doing something wrong, you know. You're just trying your best to prevent them from getting hurt. You don't want them to get hurt. But anyway, Elihu was at this point. He was a little angry with Job, and he spoke out angrily. He said, Elihu, he said, I am young and you are old, so I held back and did not dare to tell you what I think. In other words, he said, I thought those who are older should speak because wisdom comes with age. Well, see, he was a smart boy. Wisdom is supposed to come with age, but that's not always true. I know some older men that have no wisdom. And I know some of those guys in the church. And that's what's devastating. Some of men in the church have no wisdom. But the Lord, he, Elihu, he says... That, you know, supposedly, when we get older, we have wisdom. Surely, it is God's Spirit within people, the breath of the Almighty within them, that makes them intelligent. Now, this is written in Job 32. So, I'm going to tell you, if you want to be intelligent and you want wisdom, the Word of God in the New Testament, in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 5, says, "...any man lacks wisdom." Now, how many men in here lack wisdom? Hey, if you didn't hold up your hand, you need to make sure. Hey, we all lack wisdom. Is any man lack wisdom, he said, then he needs to ask God. So where does, where does wisdom come from? From God, from the king. So he says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives liberally or abundantly to all that ask. Wow. So if we ask God for wisdom, will he give it to us? He will if we do it like He says. Because in the next verse, verse 6, He makes this statement. But when you ask, you must ask in faith, nothing wavering. Now see, this is a principle with God that when you ask Him for something, you must ask how? In faith, nothing wavering. Although right here he's talking totally about wisdom, but it's a spiritual principle that works in everything you ask God for. Everything. When you ask, you must ask in faith, nothing wavering. Now then, if you ask God for wisdom and somebody says, Do you believe you got it? And you say, I hope so. Maybe he was listening. Is there any faith in that brother? Nope. No, not a bit. Not a bit. But he says, Ask in faith. So then he asked, the man says, Lord, give me wisdom. I need to know how to rule my family. I need to know how to do things. I said, You believe you got, and you got it? He said, Guarantee I got it. Why do you know you got it? He said, God told me to ask and ask in faith, and I'm asked, and I believe the king will do exactly what he said. So yes, I got my wisdom. Well, he got it. I mean, he got it. Now then he goes, And just like Sharon said a while ago, whenever I touched her and prayed that prayer, she said, I need strength. I just reached out and touched her and said, be strong in Jesus' name. Well, I didn't give nothing. Oh, yeah, you did too. Because I did it in faith. Now, when did it show up? When she said showed up? The next morning. She was able to walk all day. Couldn't do that before. Now, see, when you do something in faith, Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they'll get well. Did he say that? Sure. Mark chapter 16, verse 18. Or he says we can do anything if we do it in faith. So when she said, I got to have some strength, some stamina, I said, You got it. In the name of Jesus. It's yours. Bam. Now go. That's how easy it is. It's done. Guarantee it's done. Well, I didn't feel nothing. Well, the kingdom of God's not about feeling, is it? It's about believing the word. So when I did it in faith for her, even though she probably didn't believe at all right then, because she didn't have no faith then. She's just beginning to learn. But I had faith. And when I had faith and I prayed for her, it happened. And the next morning, she, by the time of the day, she said, Hey, I got something. This really worked. So, of course, now then, she has become... I mean, after different prayers at different times, over the next few months, Sharon got healed of everything. I mean, I, I, don't, I have no idea how many people, like Sharon, like Cheryl, I mean, how many people, men and women, that I prayed for... By the hundreds, and some of them have been instantly healed, and some of them have been healed the next day, the next week, the next month, or whatever. Now, don't you love it when God does a miracle for you? Oh, when He does it, oh, even when He does it the next day, it wasn't bad, was it, Sharon? Yeah, when He did it the next day. But the first time I prayed for Cheryl, I mean, she wasn't my wife. She had just come to a healing meeting, and she had a problem. And I prayed for her and God instantly healed her right there. That day, bam, bam, she was healed. Woo, praise God. So she said, I think I'll quit going to church where I'm going. Go over to His church. She had no idea what God had in store for her. <laughs> Woo, she didn't know that she was going to be my mate one day and everything else. And whoa, wow, praise God. Blessed her and my socks off. You know, we just, He just totally changed our lives, that's for sure. But it says here, It says uh, uh, that the Almighty gives wisdom, just like intelligence comes from God. And anybody that spends time with God, either who's trying to say, anybody spends time with God, he ought to be intelligent. You know, isn't that amazing? What do we do? We go around all the time saying, well, I just can't do that. Oh, I wish I could do this. I don't know how to do this. That's a wrong confession. You're not spending time with God. If you're spending time with God, what can you do? All things. Now, I'll just give you a little example. Right here before we're going to take a break in about five minutes. But I'm going to tell you a little example. Some of you have heard me teach on teaching tapes before that years ago I used to be an airline pilot. You know, I flew DC-8s all over the world. But that was a
1: long time ago.
0: You know, I mean, I got my multi-engine rating, my private, my commercial, my instrument rating, my multi-engine rating, my flight engineer ratings, and all those things way back in the 60s. You know, that's been a long time ago, in the 60s. And then I flew international for about three years on big, big airplanes all over the world. But in 1970, I quit flying. The airline I was flying for wasn't broke in 1970. In 1970, how long ago has that been? 36 years ago. Is that right? 36. I mean, when you're a little older, you know, you think, well, I used to do this as yesterday. No, it's 36 years ago when I done this. Well, I haven't done any flying in 36 years. And so just recently, uh, Ty, he wanted to buy an airplane, and he wanted to learn how to be a pilot. So he wanted me to do some flying with him. So he bought an airplane. He and I go to school in Independence, Kansas, for three days. And then I go out there and get this airplane to fly. And the girl says, uh, have you flown lately? And I said, no. It's been a while. So... I. Do a couple of touch and goes, and after the first one she says, well that wasn't bad. How long, it hasn't been too long. How long has it been since you've flown? I said, a little over 20 years. Now see, I, I don't want to, I don't want to tell her 36 years, because she ain't but about 24 years old. You know, I said, a little over 20. See, I'm not lying. I'm not, it has been a little over 20. Well, she said, wow, that was a pretty good landing if you hadn't flown in 20 years, over 20 years. And so I did a second one, and it was good, too. She said, well, okay. so said, you're okay. No problem. So we went ahead and flew this new Garmin 1000 system for uh, an hour or two, whatever it was. And I come back, and we landed and everything. Well, the other day, uh, the Lord has given us a ministry airplane now, a beautiful thing. He's given to us, paid for it and everything. And so I went over to pick it up, a beautiful twin. And I went over to take this thing because we can put six people in this thing. We can fly 180 to 200 miles an hour, and we can get somewhere. We can go places and pray for people in this thing where we could never do before. But anyway, I went over to pick it up a few weeks ago. And again, the young man that was going to check me out in this airplane was in his 20s, maybe late 20s. And we get out there and sit down, and he explains the system to me or all the different stuff. And then we go out there, and I make uh, two touch-and-goes. And after two touching goes, he said, by the way, how long has it been since you flown? A twin. And I said, a little over 20 years. <laughs> he said, a little over 20 years. He said, uh, I think you ought to leave the airplane here and let our certified instructor give you a few hours of dual before you take it yourself. I said, no, I'm okay. I said, didn't I do okay on those? He said, yeah, you did okay on your two touch and goes. But he said, over 20 years and you're going to a small airport that's a whole lot shorter than Addison and you're going to try to land a twin on a little short 40-foot wide runway and you haven't flown in over 20 years? I said, no problem. I can handle it. <laughs> and so he said, well, I don't know. I said, does the airplane belong to me? He said, yes. I said, is it paid for? He said, yes. I said, okay, then I'll take you up there, and you get out, and I'm gone. And I took him up there, and he got out, and I left, and I took, and I flew off, and I went over the country, and I went over there, and I said, Lord, this airplane belongs to you. It's not mine, but you told me in your word that all things are possible. I said, Lord, I'm going to fly this thing in, and I'm going to come in on that little tiny 40-foot wide strip over there, that's thirty five hundred feet long. I'm going to plant this thing right on the numbers. I'm going to slip it right in, and then I'm going to tax it up there and put it in my hangar. I said, I know I can do it because I'm a son of God, and I felt like from that day I had flown that thing. In fact, uh, yesterday morning at four thirty, I got up with Ty, and we hadn't done any night landings. I hadn't done a night landing as well in thirty six years. And he went with me, and we got in that twin, and we made about eight or ten touch and goes at night from five thirty till six thirty in the morning. So now I'm confident I can fly at night or day. There's not a problem. But as a son of God, I said all this to tell you. Uh, Jesus said, "If you're my child, if you have faith and you don't doubt, He said you can do anything in my name." That means fly an airplane. Don't you believe that? All things are possible if you're a child of God. So the devil has beat up on us, convinced us that we can't do things because we just don't know how. But, hey, if you're trained and checked out, you can do anything. Now, I had many hours, thousands of hours of flying an airplane. And how many of you in here can swim? How many of you can swim? Okay. How many of you have been swimming in the last five years? Okay. Some of the rest of you then hadn't been swimming in five years. Okay, those of you that held your hand up, you could swim, but you hadn't been swimming in five or ten years. You think if you th- were thrown out into a water somewhere twenty foot deep, you drowned? Of course not. You know now your endurance, you might not be able to swim for five miles, but you know you could swim somewhere. You are not going to drown. So a little bit of practice will bring your endurance up. Well, that's what we have to do with the Word of God. We take the Word of God, we take in this Word, and we pound this Word into us, and we get our endurance up so that we know who we are as children of God, so we can stop sinning, so we can walk holy before God, so we can walk in divine health, and as well as when we go out and pray for people, if you got ever sin repented of and you got the Word of God in your heart, when you go pray for people, what will God do for you? Anything you have faith for. Just like Alan told us those testimonies about that guy that got all this faith. Man, I mean, when you pray for people and see God do those kind of things, is that wonderful? What do you all think our God is able to do? Anything you can believe Him for after all. He's God, right? Okay, before we take the break, we're right at the point of 3 o'clock. We always try to take a break as close to 3 as possible. And this is the only time that we do this in any service we have. But on the healing schools at the break, we take an offering. To to support our ministry. Now, if you want to give cash, we got envelopes. We'll be happy to pass them out to you so you can have a record of your giving. If you give a check, you don't need an envelope. You can just have the right name and address on it. But if you don't, if you have cash and you want a receipt, you ask the girls here and they'll be happy to pass you out an envelope. We'll come down the aisles and send them out to you so you can put your name and address on those envelopes. And uh, we got over here, honey, on the left, we've got a lady over here that needs an envelope. And anybody needs an envelope, if you need a receipt, and yet we have to have a receipt, have to have a record of who you are. We can't send you a receipt at the end of the year for your giving donation if we don't have your name and address. So, but some people don't want a receipt, so that's okay. You don't have to have one. The thing about it is, this is the thing you have to know. God said in his word, give, and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaken together, running over, shall man give into your bosom. Of course, with the same measure you used to give, shall it be returned unto you. Now see, that's another spiritual law. And that's why, when, I, when the Lord prompted me to start this ministry, that's why I don't charge for ministry appointments. I don't charge to go somewhere. I mean, Cheryl and I flew to South Carolina the other day to pray for a boy. And guess what we charged that couple? Nothing. That's exactly right. Nothing. Flew all the way to South Carolina to pray for one boy and then flew back home and didn't charge them nothing. But we do everything like that. Everything. We do. All of our media, we give it away. We're ministry which we never charge. And guess what? Do you think our ministry's broke? Absolutely not. We have money in the bank to pay for everything, including our airplane. It's paid for. It's paid for before I got it. God gave us a twin-engine airplane paid for. It's awesome. It's amazing that I stepped out in faith. I had the money in the bank to pay for it, but it would have taken the ministry money down way down. But I paid an $8,000 down payment on this airplane. It took them two months to get it ready. And in two months' time, before we got the airplane, enough money came into the ministry to pay all the ministry bills plus enough money extra to pay for the airplane. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? We've never had that. So, we serve an awesome God. An awesome God. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, as people give to your ministry, it's not our ministry, it's yours. And, Lord, as they give... You know exactly how much they're giving. You know the attitude of the heart, which they give. And you said you love a cheerful giver. So, Lord, I'm asking you to bless each one according to the attitude and condition of their heart and their gift. Bless them abundantly. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now then, the girls are going to pass the little sacks. And you'll drop your donation in that. And then we will, as soon as that is done, uh, we will take a break. And we'll take... Uh, 20 or at least 20, maybe 30 minutes, because I only got two bathrooms, unfortunately. Only two. And so, you know, it don't matter which one's empty. You know, if you're a man or a woman, if it's empty, uh, nobody's going to go in. You know, it says men and women, but who cares? You're only going to be in there by yourself with the door locked. So it's no big deal. Uh, So to make sure everybody gets in and out, uh, Cheryl did tell me that when we do build our own church, which we're going to do one day, one thing we're going to have is plenty of bathrooms. I said, Okay. Plenty of bathrooms, so we will make sure that comes to pass. Now, we've already laid that out on paper, too. We hadn't started building it yet. We're going to, and I don't know when, but we are going to build our own facility one day, and hopefully not too distant future. Uh, I've said that for a while, but the other day I was out there, and I was looking. I was fixing to stake it out, and I was out there looking at the corner, and I said, Lord, now I need to know exactly how to build this. And he said one word. He said, wait. I said, wait? And that's all he said. didn't say it twice. He said it one time. I said, oh, okay. So I picked up my tools and went and put them up. I said, okay. I'll wait. I don't know what he's got planned. But guess who I work for? The king of the universe. His name is Jesus.
3: We're going to be in Fresno, California, September 26th to the 28th. It's a three-day conference. We're going to be in Longview, Texas, October the 21st. Uh, and also in Nacogdoches, Texas, October the 7th. And you can go to the website.
0: Yeah, if you go to the website, it'll tell you where, you know, what church or what building or everything. It'll give you all the information. Uh, Those will be the places that we're scheduled to go to. So, praise the Lord. I guess uh, before we get started here, while people are getting back to their seat, and they're nearly all there, I'll tell you a letter I got also this week. Uh, about from a gentleman, he said, I have no idea who or what or why they wanted me to have these, but he said, I got a couple of CD, DVDs from your ministry. He said, when I first got them, I put one in, and I looked, and I noticed you were a healing ministry, and I thought, oh, well, I've been to several of these kind of guys, and I've never seen one that impressed me much. And he said, I listened to what you taught. And he said, I thought, this guy is absolutely a crackpot. You know, he is way out there in left field. He said, I never heard the kind of teaching that you taught. So he said, I thought, well, it's my job to prove this guy is a fake. So he said, I got my pen and pencil, and I went to the Word, and I listened to your DVD again. And he said, this time when I listened to it, I wrote every scripture down, and the way you tied them together... And he said, I went back, and boy, little did I know what I was in for. He said, God changed my life forever. He said, I won't never be the same. And he said, I have been super blessed. Now, he said, I'd like to have several more of your teachings. And he turned in an order for some. And also, he sent me two little handmade things for my granddaughter. And when I opened the box, looked at those, I cried. And so I called him about four or five times yesterday to thank him for him and could never get him. So this morning at 9 o'clock I called, and I got him, and I talked to him, and he said, Brother, what you teach is what's written in the Word. And he said, Now I realize I have sin in my own life, and I now know that I've got to get rid of it if I want to walk where you're walking. But he said, I now realize that it's true. He said, Whenever I finally listen to the DVD... The Sid Roth, It's Supernatural, the 30-minute DVD on your granddaughter's healing. He said, I sat there and listened to you tell the story about that for 25 minutes. And then I saw that little girl walk out there and crawl up in your arms and said she was beautiful and perfect and not a scar on her body. He said, I cried. He said, I thought, I've got to make that little girl something. He makes things with his hands, so he made her a couple little things and sent them to us. And I took them over and gave her to her last night. And she was blessed. Don't we serve an awesome God, folks? He's beyond our wildest dreams, how He moves on people's hearts. But, you know, when you teach His Word exactly like it's written, you know, people come to the point where that, hey, let every man be a liar and God's Word alone be true. And so when you see this, then it changes you. I'm telling you, I'm a better man today than I was 30 years ago because I have studied the Word of God. And I know what's required. And I know if I don't walk where he puts me, I know it will bring forth a premature death. It's, it's written in God's Word. And so now, Father, in Jesus' name, as we continue on this afternoon, I ask you to bless us, bless the teaching, bless everybody that's here today, that they may receive what you want them to hear. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Now then... Uh, <coughs> As we go on down a little further in the Scripture, now I, didn't write, I just typed all this out and I didn't put the verses. So I don't know, I'm not exactly uh, sure, I, I've never done this before, but I did, I, did, I did this in a hurry this morning. But I'm a little further down in chapter 32, and it's, it starts out, listen Job, to what I have to say. Now this is where Elihu is going to present his case against Job. I don't know how many verses this is down, verse 10. Listen, Job, to what I have to say. Now that I have begun to speak, let me continue. I speak with all sincerity. I speak the truth, for the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Answer me, if you can make your case and take your stand. Look, you and I are the same before God. And I, too, was formed from clay. So you don't need to be afraid of me. You don't need to be afraid of any person. I am not some great person to make you nervous and afraid. You have said it in in my hearing. I have heard your very words. You said, I am pure. I am innocent. I have not sinned. This is what Elihu heard Job say. He said, God is picking a quarrel with me and he considers me to be his enemy. Now, this is what Job had said. He put feet... My, he put my feet in the stocks and watches every move I make. In this, you are right, and I will show you why. As you yourself have said, God is greater. In this, in this you are not right, and no, not not you are right. You are not right, and I will show you why. As you yourself have said, God is greater than any person. So why are you bringing a charge against Him? You say He does not respond to people's complaints. But God speaks again and again. Now, listen to this. God, he does respond to our complaints. God speaks again and again. through Though people do not recognize it, He speaks in dreams and visions of, of the night when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in bed. Now, how many of you have ever had a dream? Every one of you have had dreams. Now, some of those dreams come from God, and some of those come from the devil. The devil can put dreams on you, too. Now, there's times when God will put a dream on you. You may think it comes from the devil, because he's trying to get your attention. He's trying to tell you to straighten up your act. But we don't believe these dreams. Whoa, I woke up and had the worst, awful dream last night. Whoa. Well, you need to write that dream down. You need to meditate on that dream. You need to think about that dream. Or if you have a vision, just like last Sunday, I had an awesome vision teaching God's Word standing right here. I was teaching out of the book of James about the crown of life. And it it says, blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he has tried, after he has endured, he will receive the crown of life. In In other words, if you pass your test, you get a crown of life. And as I was teaching that, I looked up and b- before my very eyes, I saw a, a a a shelf or something that went from this side of the room to that side of the room, kind of a curved shelf, and there was beautiful crowns sitting all across that thing. There'd be several, and then two or three, one or two or three blanks, and then some, and a blank or two, and then some more. And I, I said, I, I, "I'm preaching, but I said, God, what is this?" And He said, "Everywhere there's a crown, that's where you endured." That's where you pass your test. I said, well, Lord, what's the blanks? He said, that's when you didn't make it. That's when you didn't pass your test. You didn't get a crown. And I had never thought about it being multiple crowns. I'd always just thought, well, if I endure through life, I'll get one crown of life. But no, every time a trial comes to you, if you pass a test, I give you a crown of life. Wow! I'm sure glad I didn't look up there and see that shelf and there was not nothing sitting on it. <laughs> wow! Cause I said, Lord, what's that? He said, that's the shelf I've made to put all your crowns on. But since you didn't pass any test, you don't get no crowns. That'd be sad, wouldn't it? So, don't be one of those kind of Christians. But he says here, he speaks in dreams and visions. Now, Everyone in here, I think, held up your hand, you've had a dream. I don't think there's a human being alive that don't dream regularly. Probably every one of us dream every night. We may not remember them, but I think we probably dream every night. But now visions is something else. Visions, I don't know how many I've had. I've lost count, but I've had many visions, especially when I started walking in the Spirit with God. I mean, 30 years ago, when I started walking with God, when I when I really got serious with Him, and I started praying diligently, God would show me how to do something. In fact, uh, right now, I'll just tell you a vision that was something which came to me so quickly. I was asked... I, we had a person... We, uh, I used to work for the airline industry as an engineer. And we had trucks. I had designed these trucks. And one of these trucks that was made that... I had a little platform. I didn't help design this one, but this little platform went out to help them get to a a small uh, uh, MD-80 airplane. They're kind of low, and those big high-lift catering trucks are fairly high. And so even with a truck platform over the top of the cab, it was still too high. So they had a little platform that came out so they could open the door on the MD-80s over it. Well, those little platforms give a lot of trouble, and so a lot of people wouldn't use them. And so they would put these other platforms over the top of that platform, and they would walk into the airplane. Well, one day, somebody was out there and didn't get the platform over the top very good, and the platform slipped. Well, now, the door is only about seven feet off the ground. But if you fall seven feet, that's a long ways. You can break a leg. You can hurt yourself. And that's what happened to this young woman. She was catering in an airplane. The platform slipped, and she fell, and she broke her leg. So the director called me in and said, Thurman, is there something you can do to fix that platform? I said, sure. I said, there's no problem. I don't even know what the problem is. But I said, I'll go to the Lord and he'll show me exactly how to fix this platform. So I went to the Lord and asked him how to do this. And immediately began to put thoughts in my mind about things that I knew about. And I went down and redesigned this platform with the latches and everything. And when I got it completely designed and the guys built the first one, one of the guys that had done the work on it, he's out there slamming it in like a gorilla. I said, what are you doing? He said, well, if I can't tear it up, they can't tear it up. You know, he said, they'll treat it like a gorilla. I said, okay. So I said, you can't tear it up. He said, no, it looks like it's very heavily designed. You did an excellent job on that. So I'm I'm well pleased, they're well pleased, and I get in my truck and I start to go over to a meeting at the other side of the airport, and as I'm driving down the road, all of a sudden, I see a video clip played off to the left of this truck catering an airplane. I mean, I'm seeing this. It's just like I'm looking at, only it's up in the sky, it's not on the ground. I'm seeing an airplane, I'm seeing a truck catering, I see them go through the whole scenario, I see the platform come out. I see them put the safety platform over the top, cater the airplane, and then I see after they pick up everything, the girl comes out and hollers something. The guy goes back in, steps on that little platform, goes in the airplane, and then when he comes out, he's standing right in the middle of the platform, and all of a sudden the girl hollers, and he leans back to see what she's saying. Well, when he leans back, this platform is on rollers. And so it slides in, and he folds up and falls rear end first right down to the ground. I said, Lord, thank you. I said, you've shown me I'm not through with that platform. So I turned right around, drive right back over there, and I said, don't take this truck out of the shop. It's not ready. He said, what do you mean? I said, we've got to design a latch that will lock it where it can't move once it comes out. And so I sat there and I said, Lord... I've got to know exactly how to build and design a latch that is simple as possible that will never fail. I said, thank you, Lord, for showing me. And right before my very eyes, I immediately, instantly saw that latch on that truck. I saw it. I sat there and looked at it for just a minute, and then it disappears. I run, grab me a pen and a piece of paper, and I start drawing this thing out. I get it all drawn out. One of the guys says, what is this? I said, this is the latch that we're going to put on the front that's never going to fail. And I said, can you build that? He said, sure, from that drawing I can build that. I said, okay. He took the drawing, he built it, put it on the truck, and I went out there and he said, this is the simplest thing. I can't imagine this thing being so simple. He said, it's so tough, said it'll never fail. And as far as I know, we've never had a failure, and that thing is on every one of those trucks that has that platform on it to this day. And then my boss will know, how in the world did you come up with this idea so quick and it worked so good? I said, it's real simple. I'm a child of God. I asked my father in the name of my brother Jesus how to do it, and the Holy Spirit showed me. And I said, that's how I got got a vision. I said, a vision came to me and he showed me how to design this thing. Now then, is visions available to all of God's children? Sure. When you ask in faith, don't be startled when he shows you something, you know. Don't run and say, oh, what's this? I rebuke you, devil? No. Say, Lord, thank you for the vision. He'll show you a video clip. Don't let it scare you. It's God trying to show you something. And He tells us here in the book of Job, He's been doing this, obviously, for a long time. The book of Job, some people think, is the oldest book in the Bible. I've heard that a lot of times. It says, He he, he speaks in dreams and in visions of the night when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their bed. He whispers in their ear and terrifies them with His warnings. Somebody says, He terrifies us? Yeah, if you're living in some kind of sin, He may show you something that will terrify you. If you wake up terrified in a dream, you need to realize God's trying to show you something. You need to change what you're doing. If He's terrifying you, there's something wrong. You're not doing everything right. You need to really say, Lord, I need to know what I'm doing wrong. Because obviously I'm not doing what you say. Because in the book of Job, Elihu was saying that you said that you terrify us on our beds with dreams and visions. Trying to straighten me up. He causes them to change their minds. That's what he's trying to do. He causes them to change their minds. He keeps them from pride. Pride will kill you. Pride will put you far from God. I mean, when you start saying, Oh, i done this. Hey, I know one example in the Bible where a man got up and made an awesome speech. It's in the book of Acts. I think it's chapter 12. He gets up there and he makes a speech with his little robe on. He to sit, and when he gets through with the speech, one of the men stood up and said, This is not the voice of a man. This is the voice of a God. And he says... Yeah, ain't I something? And you know what it said happened? His angel struck him dead and the maggots eat him right before the people's eyes because he would not give glory to God for his speech. Do you know that's written in the Bible? You ever read that story? Yeah. Why do you think he put that in there in Acts chapter 12? For you and me. So this man was taking the pride, and he's trying to say, I'm somebody. The angel says, you give God the glory for that speech. No, I'm somebody. He says, okay, that's it. Bam! Because you did not give glory and honor to God, your angel can not only make you sick, he can kill you and cause maggots to eat you right in front of somebody else's eyes because it's written in Acts chapter 12. 21 to what, 21 through 23? 23. Chapter 12, verses 21 through 23. Now then, do you ever think about your angel doing that to you? Most people don't. I have just completed a 28-day teaching on angels and your health that's starting to air on the radio this week. If you want to listen to it, you can go to our website. If you can't find it on the radio, who knows where you may be. We're only on radio stations about seven or eight stations all over the different country. But our website, all these teachings are on our website. When you go to the teachings on the website, the last two years of my radio shows are on the website. And you can listen to them from your computer anytime you want to, anytime. You can click on one of them. If you click on the topic over, If I've got a week teaching or a two-week or a four-week, if you click on the topic, it will start with the first teaching in the series. And it will immediately, you, if you have the right things downloaded, the right uh, uh, information there. If you don't have, we've got stuff on the screen before you can download free all the stuff you need so you can listen. But if you go there and if you click on the topic, it'll start with program one in that series. And it'll start right there and it'll 13 minutes and 30 seconds. And it'll let you hear that, and it'll play instantly. Now, if you click on one of the shows, it'll ask you, do you want to download this to your computer? Now, if you want to download it, you can download that file and put it on your computer, and you can save it as a file in your own computer if you want to do that. No problem, because we give away everything free. So we don't care if you download them and burn your own CDs. We don't care. We just want God's Word to get out. But if you click on the topic, it'll start with number one. And, of course, if you start with number one, you've got a four-week teaching like this was. Then if you listen to the first one or two or three, and then tomorrow you come back, you want to start over, you start with the topic, and then when it does, you can open up on the side there a little list of all of them. You say, well, I've already heard the first three, so I want to click on number four. That's the one I want to hear, and it'll immediately take you right to number four, and you can start listening to it. So all this is on our website, and it's all free. You can listen to it anytime you want to. Download a lot of the stuff we've got on there, the, the healing scriptures and everything. It's all, not all of it, but a lot of it we have put on there. And someday, we're going to learn how to get enough, we're going to get enough storage space someday so we can start downloading a lot of our video stuff where you can watch it also on video, or at least some, we're going to get a few of them. It takes so much storage space to put video That's why we don't do video. Audio, we can compress it, and and we can uh, do it a whole lot uh, uh, easier. But he says here, uh, let's see, where was I? I Down at the bottom. God is picking a quarrel with me, and he considers me to be his enemy. He puts my feet in stocks, and he watches every move I make. Now then, if God puts your feet in stocks and watches every move you make, you think he's doing it just to torment you or because he has legal right? Yeah, because you're sinning somewhere. It says here, is this, in this you are not right. Now listen to what he did say. In this you are not right, and I will show you why. As you yourself have said, God is greater than any person. So why are you bringing a charge against him? You know, a lot of people bring a charge against God. God's doing this to me, and I didn't do it, nothing to deserve this. Well, that's totally wrong. It's a, you say he does not respond to people's complaints, but God speaks again and again. He speaks to them in dreams and visions and all these things, and then he, uh, and he causes them uh, to change their minds. He keeps them from pride, and he keeps them from the grave. Why do you think he does all this? He do not want you to die early. He's trying his best to get your attention. That's why you're getting the spanking. And, and from crossing over the river of death. There is a river of death. Then he says, God disciplines people with sickness and pain. You hear that? God disciplines people with sickness and pain with ceaseless aching in their bones. You ever know anybody that's had that? The King James says he chastens you with this, and it reads a little different. But it means the same thing, the King James. But this one says, it's so clear. God disciplines people with sickness and pain, with ceaseless aching in their bones. They lose their appetites and do not not even care for even the most delicious food. Now, what happens to people when they get certain sick? I mean, they get sick and, I mean, it says here, they waste away to skin and bones. Do you know people like that? Have you ever seen people that got like that? I mean, you could bring in anything that was luscious and good. and They're not hungry. They don't care for it. They don't want it. They have no desire for food. Why? Because there's sin in their life. They are at death's door. The angels of death wait for them. You ever think about angels standing there waiting for you like a vulture? They're waiting for you to die. I can remember being raised up on a farm. A sheep going to die. And you go up there and there's an old sheep. Maybe she ain't quite dead yet. But she's down Buzzards buzzard sitting all around. they just waiting for her to take her last breath. And they're going to go up there and get her. They're going to eat her. The angels of death, when you're living in sin and you're wasting away in sickness and disease, the angels of death are standing there waiting for you to die. They are at death's door. The angels of death wait for them. Here's a wonderful place for a good place for a but. But if. Boy, isn't that wonderful for these but and ifs. A special messenger from heaven is there to intercede for a person. And when God sends one of you as a special agent... From heaven, a man or a woman that he's trained, like Alan talked about that man a while ago that had been in prison, but God had saved him and filled him with the Holy Ghost. And now that he's out there, he's a special agent from heaven that God sent to minister to the men that come in there to get them saved, delivered, and healed. Do you know that? God sends these people. And that's where every one of us should be Is the church. We should be ministering to the world and not to the church. The church should be well it's the lost world after the sick and afflicted we ought to be after getting them healed instead of being sick and afflicted ourselves but it says but if a special messenger from heaven is there to intercede for a person to declare that he is upright god will be gracious and say set him free do not make him die for i have found a ransom for his life Then his body will become as healthy as a child's. We love this, don't we? Firm and youthful again. I mean, this gets better all the time. Don't you like these promises? Now here, this person is the one that was wasted away. I think about this beautiful woman in 1999 that I went to Corpus Christi, that she was down to about 80 pounds. I could tell she had been a beautiful lady. She had breast cancer. Two years on her deathbed, dying. The doctors had told her she won't live another week. So she called a friend of hers here that lives at Justin and said, I want to tell you goodbye. The doctor said, I'll be gone within a week. This was on Thursday evening, Thursday night. She hung up the phone and called me and said, "Eerman, I sat in your Sunday school class every Sunday listening to you talk about God's mighty power and the miracles and the healings you see God do." She so said one of my best friends just called and said she's dying and going to die within a week. If my husband and I buy you an airplane ticket, will you fly to Corpus Saturday morning and pray for her?" I said, "Sure. Now Saturday's my day off. I work the rest of the week. But you either got to believe in God and believe He does miracles, or you don't get up at 5 o'clock on Saturday morning on your day off and go out to the FW airport, get on an airplane, fly to Houston, change planes, and fly to Corpus Christi, and get to Corpus at 10 20 in the morning. You don't just do that for entertainment. And then the man picks you up and takes you out to his apartment, and you don't see nothing in Corpus except the car and a few miles and then in the inside of a little tiny apartment. And then you teach a woman and her husband Baptist. The Word of God for five solid straight hours. And then you look over this beautiful woman and you say, Ma'am, I got one hour till my airplane leaves and I got to go home. Have you heard enough of God's Word to be healed? And this little Baptist woman looks over at me and says, I never heard the Word of God like this in my life, but everything you said was in my Bible. They repented of every sin. She looked at me with fire in her eyes. She said, you come over here and cast this devil of hell out of me and I'm going to be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Does that sound like any faith in that woman? I went over there and anointed that woman with oil. I said, devil, you've lost this one. they repented. I anointed that woman with oil. She had not eaten a bite of food in three weeks. She had tumors in her intestines, in her colon. She couldn't eat or nothing. She hadn't eaten a bite in three weeks. I cast that devil of hell out of her, and she said, it's done. She gets up off of there, and she said, I'm going to the airport with you and my husband to take you back. We walk down those corridors, down that stair, get in that car, and we drive out to the airport. And I said, ma'am, you were so weak and so little, you were probably totally exhausted. She said, no, the Lord is my strength. She said, I'm going to walk with you to the gate. She got out with her husband. We walked all the way to that parking lot, all the way to the terminal, all the way to the gate. And she said, I saw them back in that day. You didn't have all the security. They waved me off as I got on that airplane, got there just in time to get on it. And as they went back and walked back to the car, she said, honey, Jesus has healed me. I can do all things through Christ. That place right, yonder has got the best fried shrimp in town. Stop there. We're going to have a fried shrimp dinner tonight in the name of Jesus. And she did. And she ate that fried shrimp dinner. And the next morning, Sunday morning, she called me and told me what she did. And I said, I want to tell you, I woke up this morning and everything in my body worked perfect. You know what that meant, don't you? Yeah, her bowels, everything was working. She hadn't had a bite to eat, nothing to drink. And she'd have a little bit of water. But no food in three weeks. And the power of God in one afternoon healed a woman. And I get back home at 10 o'clock at night. I started at 5 that morning, get home at 10 o'clock that night. Let me tell you, when you take a trip like that, you either believe you serve a God that can do something, or you don't waste your time going. You know it? But the God I serve, He showed up for me that day, and that little woman was completely healed. Six or eight months later, uh, the lady that her and her husband went down to visit them, spent a week, come back, walked in my Sunday school class, and showed me three or four beautiful pictures of them and Don, her husband, and this beautiful woman. And she said, you know who that is? I said, "Wow!" I said, "She sure is beautiful." I said, "That couldn't be," and they said, "Yes, that's her." She had gained back her weight. She probably weighed one hundred and twenty-five or thirty pounds, and she was absolutely a gorgeous woman, I'm smiling with a smile from this big glory to God. I'm telling you, that woman was she was a, she was on fire for Jesus. Now, that's what's available if you believe God's word. I mean, to see God show up and do those kind of things, it's awesome. But, why had they been tormented? Because they had sin in their life. They're, you know what their major sin was? Unbelief of the promises of God. Your major sin. Number, the number one sin in the church that I see is breaking the number one commandment. You shall put the Lord your God first, and Him only shall you serve. And you're to put Him before everything. And there's only one other commandment for us, the church. You know what it is? Love your neighbor as yourself. There's only two for the church. Love God first. Put Him first with all things. Love Him with all your heart. And then your neighbor as yourself. And the Lord says, if you do that, all of the commandments are fulfilled in these two little statements. But how hard is it to do that? Pretty Tough. It's easy to love somebody that loves you. But when you got somebody that don't love you, it's a little bit tough to walk in love with those people. All of you probably have somebody that don't love you quite that well. Some of you may have a child, a brother, a sister, a mother, a dad, or whatever that you can't get along with, and you can love them at a distance. But the less you're around them, the better off you are. Sometimes that's the way it is. But still, you've got to walk in the God kind of love. And He says... Then his body will become as healthy as a child, firm and youthful again. When he prays to God, he will be accepted. And God will receive him with joy and restore him to good standing. He will declare to his friends, I sinned, but it was not worth it. Is it worth it to sin? Absolutely not. Job realized that God rescued me from the grave and now my life is filled with light. Yes, God often does these things for people. He rescues them from the grave so they may live in the light of the living. Mark this well, Job. Listen to me. And let me say more. But if you have anything to say, go ahead. I want to hear it, for I am anxious to see you justified. But if not... Then listen to me and keep silent, and I will teach you wisdom. Think about what he just said to Job. Was Job sinless? How many people do you know in your life that said Job was sinless? he never done anything wrong. You may have heard that on some of my teachings. It depends on where I was. But when I read this, I now know that Job clearly sinned. Not just once, Job's sins were pride. That was his major sin. But as you go on down through there, you'll find that Job sinned in many ways. But pride was his major sin. God didn't attack Job without legal right. As you read the book of Job, you'll find out that because of these sins, the pride and arrogance and and claiming that he wasn't guilty before God and he hadn't done anything wrong all these things were sin and that God had legal right to attack him or actually to allow the devil or command the devil to attack him i mean the devil wanted to get through to him but when think of the test that job went through what was the very first thing when the devil got the legal right to attack job who was the first ones that suffered his children How many of his children? All of them. All ten. Had seven sons and three daughters. All ten of them lost their life. How would you like to have seven sons and three daughters, beautiful family, and all of a sudden they're all together having a party or a birthday party? That's what they said they were doing on all of birthdays. Always get together and have a birthday party. And a tornado come by and knock the house down and all ten of your children be killed at one time. That wouldn't exactly be what Grandma wanted to hear, would it? No, not at all. Not at all. But it happened to Job. You know? And then that didn't stop with Job. You know, the devil came and, of course, he killed all of his servants, destroyed all of his crops, stole all of his animals, but he left one man in every place to come tell him the bad news. Only one. And then the only thing he had left after that was just a handful of servants and a nagging wife. Now, ladies, you need to realize, if your husband has to go through a test like this, at least be loving and kind to him. You don't know why he's being tested. You don't know what's going on. But at least be a loving wife. Don't get off on this trying to be like Job's wife. If it's anything a man don't need when he's undergoing these kind of tests, it's a woman that says she's his wife. Nagging and complaining and doing this devastating thing. Is that true? He don't need that. At this time, what does he need? Love and understanding. He don't need a nagging woman on his back. But that's what Job had. What was his wife telling him to do? Just go ahead and curse God and get it over with and die. Well, I'd just soon not had that woman, hadn't you? I'd just soon she'd have been somewhere else. Let me tell you something about marriage that you need to be aware of. That scripture we talked about a while ago in Matthew 18, 21 through 35. That's where I learned that regardless of whether it's the man or the woman that gets into unforgiveness, it gives the devil legal claim to the entire family. So when you read that and you get a hold of that, because when a man and a woman, which are two, get married, how many do they become? The Bible says one. So when God looks at a man and a woman that are married, he sees one. So either one of you that sin opens the door to both of you. And if it's unforgiveness, not only to you, but to your children and to your business world. And so when I learned that principle, I can remember a story happened at least 10 or 12 or 15 years ago when there was a man, and he was a deacon in a Baptist church, and he had been down with cancer for several years, and now then they've burned a hole in his colon, and he's leaking on the inside, and they said, there's nothing we can do. And, of course, he had already spent a million dollars in hospitals. All of his insurance was... He had an insurance policy that was worth a million. He spent it all. Every bit of it. And now then his house... I mean, he has bills that are never going to get out of debt, never. He's now on his deathbed. He's been sent home, and he's in his late 60s, and they say there's no hope. It's all over. And his son came to me and said, Thurman, what do you think? And I said, well, there's sin here. There's some kind of gross sin. Your daddy's got cancer. I said, tell me about your daddy. Well, Thurman, he's a Baptist deacon. I mean, he loves God. He goes to church. He's the best man I've ever seen in my life. And so I said, no unforgiveness, no nothing. No. no, Thurman, he's the best man I've ever seen in my life. I said, well, tell me about your mother. He said, well, Thurman, mother's not sick. I said, it don't make no difference. When they got married, they become one. I said, so tell me about your mother. Does your mother, she walk where your daddy walks? Oh, no, mother doesn't. Mother, she's got unforgiveness toward, oh, several people in the family. Said she talks about them. Said, no, mother's are told a totally different story. I said, there's your problem. There's your problem. He said, I mean, you tell me my daddy's sick because my mother's sin? I said, absolutely. He said, now, wait a minute. If mother is the one that's, that's doing it, then why is it that she's not sick? I said, oh, you've already told me that answer. He said, why? I said, you told me your daddy was a kind, loving, Baptist deacon that loved to be about God's business. I said, and your mother, she don't care if she's about God's business or not. So I said, it's very obvious that if the devil gets legal right to the family, he's going to take out the one that's doing God's work first. So that's why he taxed your daddy. I said, once he kills your daddy, then he'll kill your mother. I said, she won't live long either after this. But I said, don't either one of them have to die. I said, God will forgive them both. I said, now then, you, first of all, I said, you go and tell your Baptist mother. That don't They that go to church, but doesn't study the Word. She goes to church because her husband's a loving, kind, Baptist deacon, and they go to church together. If you go tell her that he said because of her sin, she's not going to believe you. Because I said, she probably never heard that in her life. Never. But I said, it's in the Word. I said, now you go tell her, you take Mark 11, 25 and 26. Now I want you to look at Mark 11, 25 and 26. Mark 11, 25 and 26 makes you an awesome statement. Now that if you've got an NIV, it's not in there. If you have an NIV, verse 26 is not there. But if you have any other translation, nearly all other translations have it except the NIV. The NIV left out a very important verse, verse 26. But, <laughs> why would you think that a verse that powerful would be left out? The enemy is the only excuse I have. Mark eleven twenty six is not there. But Mark eleven twenty five makes a statement. What does it say? Somebody read that to me.
2: It says, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins. Too.
0: Okay, so he's talking about when you're praying, if you hold a grudge against anybody, you have to forgive, right? But verse 26 is missing there. But do you know what verse 26 says? But if you do not forgive neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you. Now, that's not very important, though, is it, Paul? (laughs) Is that important? Is that important? Just kind of, right, brother? But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you. I'd say that is very important, wouldn't you? But they left it out of the NIV. So now then, if I told him, I said, you take those two verses and you tell your mother... That remember, if she does not forgive, neither will God forgive her. I said, now, if she's been in church at all, she'll get a hold of that. And she'll realize she's a sinner and she's got to forgive. And so he took that verse to her and showed her. He said, Mom, you and Dad brought me up. Now, of course, the son's 50-something years old, 53 or 54, 55. He said, Mom, you and Dad brought me up in the church and you told me that I was supposed to leave this book. And so... Right here, Jesus clearly says that you have to forgive everybody from your heart. And he says, if you don't, he'll not forgive you. So she looked at she it, she said, well, you're absolutely right. I said, I I realize I do have these unforgiveness towards some of the relatives. So, okay, I know I've got to get right with them. And so she went in the next couple of days, went to those people, called them or went and visited them or did something. And she got right with God and with them. Now then, has she done her part? Sure. That's what she's supposed to do. Did he say forgive? Sure. So she went and did it. She asked God to forgive her. She asked them to forgive her. Now, what if they say, I ain't going to forgive you? Well, that's not her problem no more. That's their problem now. Not hers. So she did her part. So now then, after she did that, I told the son, I said, now then. Now then, that your mother has repented what has happened to the devil's legal right to the family? It's been removed. Now, is he still there? Oh, yeah, he's still in there. He's killing the dead. But I said, now then, I want you to turn to a promise in God's Word in James 5:14, 15, and 16, and I want to show you how to get your daddy healed. I said, I want you to turn to James five fourteen, and I want you to see a guarantee in God's word. And a lot of the time, this verse never works for people because they don't do it in faith. Now the Lord says, when you do something, you have to do it in faith, nothing wavering. Is that what He said? Now Jesus said in James chapter one verse six and seven, when you ask for anything, you have to ask in faith, nothing wavering. He said, if you waver at my promises. He said, you're double-minded and unstable in all your ways. And let not that man think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's pretty clear there too, isn't he? So if you don't ask him in faith, what are you going to get? Nothing. That's exactly right. That's a promise from God. So if you ask him, oh God, if it be your will, please will you do this? What's he going to do? He ain't going to do nothing. He ain't going to do nothing. There's no faith in that. I ain't going to touch it. I mean, he said it, it's meant, if God said it, he means it exactly like it's written. He don't waver. The Word of God is forever settled in heaven and it cannot be changed or broken. He's no, he's no respecter of person. He won't do one thing for Paul and something else for Thurman. He'll do the same thing for Paul he'll do for Thurman. That's just the way God is. Aren't you glad he's not wishy-washy like we are? You know? I'll do things for this girl sitting up here in the front row I won't do for you. You know that? <laughs> and you'll do things for your children you won't do for me, right? Sure. Or your grandchildren. Why? Because you're that way. You know, but just like with God. We're all His children. All of us that believe in Him. So anyway, we have to ask in faith. James chapter 5, verse 14 says, Is any sick among you? Is that what it says? Is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church and have them anoint them with oil. Does it say that? And the prayer offered in faith, not unbelief, but the prayer offered in faith will do what? Will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. And if his sin, his sickness is due to a sin, I, the Lord, will forgive the sin. Therefore, pray one for another that you may be healed. Because the effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Now let me ask this question. How many of you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're the righteousness of God in Christ? How many of you can put your hand up and say, I know I'm righteous? Well, if you can't hold your hand, nearly, I think that's nearly everybody. But if you can't hold your hand up on that one, you don't know the Word of God well enough. Because when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Second Corinthians chapter five, verses 17 through 21 tells you that when you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you were made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You were made the righteousness of God. So if He made you the righteousness of God the minute you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Are you righteous? Yes. If you don't know that, you don't know the Word of God, and you can't walk in faith. You can't pray the prayer you cannot pray the prayer of faith for someone until you know that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. That's why Peter could say, when he spoke to the man, just say he walked up here and the guy's sitting there, never walked. He's a cripple. He says, Alms, alms, alms. I need some money. Peter said, I don't have no silver. I don't have no gold. But what I got's better than that. He said, In the name of Jesus Christ of that, get up and walk. The man looked up and said, What? Peter reached down, grabbed him by the hand, jerked him up. He said, I said, get up and walk in the name of Jesus. He jerked that devil plumb out of him. I mean, he jerked him up. That devil left. That devil said, whoa, I've got to get out of here. That Peter, he knows who he is. And that man goes running up and down the steps of the temple, praising and worshiping God. And the very next thing, the church leaders come in and say, how did you do this? What are you doing healing these people? (laughs) Peter said, let me tell you, it wasn't by my holiness, but it was by faith in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that this man stands before you well. See, Peter knew he was the righteousness of God in Christ. He knew he was the Son of God. And it was by faith in the name of the Holy One of Israel, the Son of the living God, that Peter had the faith to reach down there and jerk that man up. He knew that Jesus had bore the sickness and disease. He knew he had paid the price. He knew it was done. And so, that's why Peter could reach down and grab that man by the hand and jerk him up and say, Now, get up! You're healed in the name of Jesus! And then, of course... The doctors of theology in the church said, okay, if that's the way you've done it, don't you never talk in that name again. It's unfortunate that too many of the church leaders today are telling us the same thing. Don't speak in the name of Jesus. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? But the name of Jesus. We'll get things done. You don't have to live in sickness and disease. Only if you want to. Who would want to live in sickness and disease? With the promises of God. I mean... The promises of God, he says, if you will repent of your sins, repent from your sins, and come to me in faith. And if you can't come to me in faith, then Job, as well as this other, is telling us, find you an intercessor that knows the righteousness of God in Christ and have them pray for you. Isn't it wonderful when you can find somebody that has faith, that can intercede for you, that can get on their face before God, knowing they're the righteousness of God in Christ, knowing that they can come to the throne of grace, knowing the king hears their prayers and knows he answers. And when you do that, you begin to get to where you can see God raise people up and heal them and set them free and do great and awesome things. Great and awesome things. I mean, I've seen God do a few miracles. a man the other day asked me, he said, what's a miracle? I said, I'll give you an example. I said, in the workplace a few years ago. A little Spanish woman. I don't even know if she's saved or not. I said, she fell into a big oven and burned all the skin off the bottom of her arm. I said, I heard her screaming. I went running down there. They was trying to pour cold water on her, anointment, and all kinds of stuff. But nobody thought about the Word of God. Nobody. you know. So I ran up there and I grabbed this arm. I said, it is written. Isaiah 53, 4, Jesus said He bore your pain. So because He said He bore your pain, that means you ain't going to have to bear now see, to get that word out of that scripture in Isaiah 53-4, you've got to read it in the Hebrew. Because if you read it in English, you're not going to find that. But when you read it in the Hebrew, you will find it. You'll find he bore your pain. So if he bore your pain, I can claim that promise. So then I said, again, after I said that, I said then, in Mark chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said, and you shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Is that a pretty awesome statement? How hard did God make it? You shall lay hands on the sick, just like Sharon. When she comes to me and said, I need some strength. I said, okay, you got it in Jesus' name. Was that hard? She says, is that all there is to it? I said, that's it, girl. You okay? Go home. Walks out the door and Well, I guess I didn't get nothing there. No, but it wasn't on her faith that day. It was on mine. But the next morning she got it. When she woke up, it began to manifest. See, now, when you touch somebody in the name of Jesus, you something's got to happen. Did you know if you're up here holding my hand, I'm shaking hands with you, you don't know what you're getting, but you're getting something. <laughs> I guarantee I'm imparting something to you by faith in the name of Jesus. In my spirit, I'm saying, Lord, this man or woman is holding my hand. I anoint him with the Holy Ghost and power. Use the gifts. I don't just sit there and hold your hand just for nothing. I'm holding your hand for a purpose. I am imparting the gifts of the Spirit into you in the name of Jesus. When I touch you in Jesus' name, something's got to happen. Because I'm doing it by faith. I remember one time I listened to a story about a great man of God. He just passed away a few years ago, or last year at about 95. He said, I had the privilege when I was a 20-something-year-old man to meet Smith Wigglesworth in England. He said he was an old man then. said, uh, he told me one day, he said, son, you need to come see me. So I said, yes, sir. So I went up there and I walked in. I had a newspaper under my arm. So I walked up to the front door and knocked on the door and Smith comes to the door. And first thing he looked at me and he says, lies, 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 lies. I thought, what, what, what's wrong with this guy? He said, you can come in my house, but that newspaper can't. That's lies. He said, you don't read a newspaper and come in my house. I said, wow, okay. So he said, I laid my newspaper down and I went in. Said I went in, said, Sit down right there, son. Okay. I went there, sat down, I walked, in. he said, God, fill him, fill him, God, fill him, hit him, God, hit him. said, I sat there about thirty minutes, I like, said, This guy's crazy. I'm thirty minutes later took his hand and said, You've had all you can stand today, you can go home, son. <laughs> he said, I walked out the door, got my newspaper, and said, I will never come back. That guy's crazy. He said, I got down the street about two blocks and the power of God hit me and fell all over me and said, I ain't never been the same since. <laughs> Isn't it amazing what God does? I mean, when we do things in faith, I mean, it's amazing what God does. I mean, but He's given us unlimited power as a church. He's given us all these promises. Just like this, James five fourteen and 15 and 16. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him and anoint him with oil. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. So, if you pray that prayer, oh God, if it be your will, what do you think that's going to bring forth from God? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Or, let's say the man that's praying the prayer has got just one or two little sins in their life. You know, I mean, maybe this guy's lying a little over here. Maybe this one's cheating a little on business deals over here. Maybe this one belongs to an organization he shouldn't be belonging to. In fact, I'm going to tell you, today I'm not going to get off on organization, but don't belong to no organization but the church. Don't be a member of no organizations. I mean, you can help anybody you want to do anything you want to, but don't join an organization and become a part of an organization. Because most of them is against God. Most of them. So don't go there. You know, stay clean and pure. Walk holy before God. If you want to see Him do great things. Now, if you don't want to see God do nothing, and you want to be sick and afflicted, and your kids be sick and afflicted, and you want to die early, then go do anything you want to do. You know, it's your choice. He told you you could do that. But those that don't follow me, and don't do what I say, He said, I take them out prematurely. So, I don't. You know, do you want to live to be an old healthy man or woman? I, I do. I do. I want to do it God's way. I mean, I love being able to be 17 and be 67. Hey, Amen. I love it. You know, I love, I love it. And I got tickled at my son. I was out there, I took him and his wife and all the children for a ride the other day, Cheryl. And I did in, in our new airplane. And uh, I was trying to push it back in the hangar. He said, it's a pretty good sized airplane. It's nice and big, you know. And I said, Son, uh, won't you pull it up and push it back a little? And I said, Oh, son, you maybe you need some help. He said, "That if a 70 year old man can push that thing back in everybody, he said, I guarantee I can do it. I said, Oh, okay, okay. I just wondered if you need any help. <laughs> he's yeah. about twice as. An no, he's not as. Uh, no. Dad has angels. He's not there yet, but he'll get there. He'll get there. He'll get there. 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 He's seen angels work, as I've called them into existence. You know, angels. We talked about angels a while ago in that story about angels. Kill that guy. But angels will do good things for you. I mean, lots of good things. Like I said, that uh, uh, radio program that I've just done about how angels affect your health. I mean, if, if you learned about your angels and you learn to use those boys, and you walk in obedience to God's Word, they will watch over you, they will protect you, and they won't let no devil hit you, and they won't no sickness and disease come upon your flesh. I mean, if there is anything that comes upon you, God will give you the ability to resist it and drive it away. You know, I mean, if, let's say, a cold or runny nose comes upon you, first thing you need to say is, whoop, did I mess up somewhere, God? Did I sin? Did I do something wrong? If I did, Lord, i repent. I mean, I don't wake up in the morning and say, i got a runny nose this morning and say, oh, well, okay. Flu time, going to have, I get three or four weeks, I'll be okay. Well, if that's where you are, that's what you're going to have. You're going to have it three or four weeks. So don't go there. You know, you don't have to be sick. If you believe God's Word, if something comes upon you, ask the Lord, Lord, did I sin? Did I make a mistake? Did I do something wrong? And Lord, if I don't know what it is and He don't tell me, say, Lord, I repent anyway of everything and anything. And I'm going to walk holy in obedience to your word. Now then, you devil of hell, I resist you and command you to leave. Now, there was a, a gentleman that's either a, a, a teacher or pastor of the word. When he came here the first time, and I taught these, some of these scriptures, and he got a hold of them, he just screamed in the service that day. He got revelation on one of these verses. He went home, and it wasn't long. He came down with a cold, and he began to rebuke it, speak to it, command it to leave, and it didn't go away. Two or three days. It didn't go away. He said, now look, Lord, I know I don't have no sin left in my life. I've repented of everything. I'm walking in obedience to your word. So he said, I continued to rebuke it for another day, and it didn't leave. So he said, I decided I went in the bathroom, and I said, God, i got to know what's wrong. What is it that's wrong? I, what Thurman's what's in your word. I've seen it. I've looked at it. I've studied it out. And what he's teaching is the truth. So why is it not working for me? He said, the Lord spoke to him. and said, you remember when he told you that the violent takes it by force? He said, yes, Lord, I remember that. He said, this is one of those kind that you have to get violent to drive him away. So as I went in the bathroom, I opened my Bible, and of course, I didn't want everybody to hear me all up and down the block. So he said, I opened the Bible, I began to read these scriptures, and I screamed, you devil of hell, you're out of here in the name of Jesus, and you ain't coming back. And he said, when I got through screaming, at the devil, I walked out of the bathroom, I didn't have a cold. It was gone.
4: Our wife.
0: Oh, he had a wife. Yes, she was still there.
4: She ran off,
0: didn't run off. No, no, no. The wife didn't go away. This wife, his wife, is a great woman of God. She Good. believes the Word of God. She believes the Word of God. But now think this Scripture about James 5:14, 15, and 16. You've got to know you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You've got to know that it's the will of God to heal everybody every time when they come to Him in faith. And when you pray that prayer, you've got to pray that prayer in faith. Nothing wavering. You've got to believe and receive. It's done. Now then, on this unforgiveness stuff, whenever Mr. Slagle... Actually, I hadn't spoken his name in a long time, but that was his name. So anyway, he was on his deathbed. And whenever his wife got all of her sins repented of, then the son came to me and said, Thurman, it's all taken care of. I said, good. I want you now to take your Baptist deacon dad... And his preacher and I want you to stand on James five fourteen fifteen and sixteen. I said I'm not even going to have a part in this. I want y'all to see that God answers the prayer when it's done right. And so that Baptist deacon on his deathbed, they come and anoint him. He calls his preacher, and they come and three or four of the deacons, whatever it was, they came and they anoint him with oil. And I told him I said you be sure and tell them they got to pray that prayer in faith, nothing wavering. I said, remember, it is a guarantee from God to heal your daddy. And so they did. They prayed the prayer in faith. And within one week after the day they prayed that prayer of faith, after the mother, the wife, had repented of all of her sins of unforgiveness, that man was completely healed. And today he's still completely healed. That's been all those years. He must be 75 or 77 or 78 years old, at least, maybe 80 today. But yet, 10 or 15 years ago, he was on his deathbed. Why? Because of his wife's sin of unforgiveness. Isn't that amazing? That you can change people's life when they line up with God's Word. But now, after that, the son came to me and said, Thurman. Dad's alive, and now that he's well, and he's back working, but he said they won't never get their debts all paid. I said, oh, I'll tell you what, dude. I said, why don't you have your mom and dad sit down and write these doctors and hospitals that they owe all this money to and tell them about this great miracle that God done, and let's see what they'll do. So they sat down and wrote a nice long letter about what they'd been through, and the suffering, and about how they had got their sins repented, and how that his daddy had been anointed with oil, and prayed over in the church, and God had completely healed him. And today, an incurable man was completely healed, and they was asking the doctors to give him mercy on all this extra money that they owed them, because they'd already paid him a million dollars through their life insurance. Every hospital and every doctor within two weeks wrote back, and every one of them but one said, this is a phenomenal story and your debt has been canceled. Except one. One doctor said, I was your doctor and I will not believe this story unless you come in for a checkup. So he went in and the doctor x-rayed him and checked him when he got through. He said, brother, not only am I going to forgive your debt, but if you ever need a doctor... Again, you can come to me, and I will not never charge you a dime. And their debt was free and clear. (laughs) Do we serve an awesome God? He's awesome. Now, did God want that man to be sick all those years? No, no, He didn't want him to be sick. I wonder how many times in dreams and visions He tried to reveal to that woman that you're living in sin. Or wonder how many people He sent by to say, you know, you've got an unforgiveness toward your cousin over here, or your aunt, or whatever. Yeah, but she deserves it. You need to forgive her. Nope, I ain't going to do it. I wonder how many times God sent somebody by to do that to us. And we don't listen. Isn't it awful? That God does all these things... And He warns us. The Scripture says He warns us in dreams and visions. And He terrifies us with our sin, trying to get our attention so that we will repent and turn from our wicked ways. So He will take us away from the grave. But where the death angels stand at the door waiting to take us away. But she wouldn't repent. But when she did, when she finally saw it, she repented. And then the men in the church and the pastor prayed the prayer of faith, just exactly like James five fourteen fifteen sixteen 15, 16 says. And in less than a week, the man was completely healed. And in another few weeks, he's out of debt. And for years, I kept up with him for years, and he was just doing great. I don't know what he's doing today, but or I'm assuming he's still alive. I haven't heard from his son. I think if his dad had died or passed away, he would have called me and told me because... I'm a very close, not real close, but he was in my Bible study class for seven or eight years, so I know him real well. They're really a lovely couple. But back over there to where we were a while ago in Mark 11, 25 and 26, where the Lord makes that statement. I want you to go back to the Scripture and look and see at the promise He made you in verse 22, 23, and 24 before He made the statement in verse 25 and 26. I want you to see what God told you you could do as his sons and daughters if you're walking in obedience to his word. No unforgiveness. But I want you to just see this. Mark eleven, twenty two. Mark eleven, twenty two he says, If you have the God kind of faith. Mark eleven, twenty two. So you have to have the God kind of faith. If you've got the God kind of faith, verse twenty three, he makes this statement. You can speak to a mountain and command it to move from here to there. And if you don't doubt in your heart, the mountain will obey you. Is that what he said, brother? You know how many people in the church really believe that? Almost none of us. Almost none of us. So, we don't believe we can do that because it sounds too big to be true. But the next verse, Jesus said, So therefore, not only can you speak to the mountain, He said, Therefore, whatever you say with your mouth... If you believe it with your heart, you'll have whatever you say. Did you say that? So what can you and I have as obedient sons of God? What can we have? We can have whatever. Whatever we believe in our heart, we can confess it with our mouth. And then think of the next verse. Whatever you desire, verse 24, Whatever you desire when you pray, believe you have received it, and it will be yours. Is that an awesome promise from God? Well, first of all, that Mark eleven twenty three. most people are like I was most of my life. They don't believe that word will work. So whatever you say with your mouth, if you believe it with your heart, you will have it. That's a pretty awesome statement. Well, I used that verse just a few months ago. I've used that verse hundreds of times. But to see God do an awesome miracle, just a few months ago, there was a doctor. A doctor from Salt Lake City, Utah, called me on Sunday night at 10 o'clock with a broken back. He had fell out of a tree on Tuesday from a 35-foot tree in the mountains of Idaho. They carefully him out to a hospital, done a CT scan on him, back's broken. He called me on Sunday to ask me if Cheryl and I would fly out there on Monday and pray for him. And I told him, sure. I was talking to, through three people to do that. I told, I was talking to Cheryl. She was talking to another friend on the phone. He had to talk to him earlier. So I told Cheryl, I said, tell him, yes, they can make the reservations. We'd be happy to fly out there tomorrow and pray for him. But I said, honey, tell your friend to, when they call him to be sure and tell him to call me on my cell phone tonight. I want to talk to him. That was 8 o'clock when we were after church on Sunday night. So at 10 o'clock, we got to the post office to pick up the mail, and Dr. Gary called me. And we're driving down the road. Cheryl says, is he going to call? I said, yeah, he's going to call. And just a few minutes after I said that, he called. And he told me his situation, about how bad he was, how much pain he was in. And I said, sir, the God I serve, he made a statement to me in Mark eleven twenty-three. He said, whatever I say with my mouth, if I believe with my heart, I'll have it. So I said, in the name of Jesus, your back is healed. God's going to do a supernatural healing on your back. I guarantee it in the name of Jesus. And the king of the universe instantly healed Dr. Gary Young's back on Sunday night at 10 o'clock. Bam. A man with a broken back is completely healed. Completely healed. And his name is Dr. Gary Young. And he owns a huge business in Salt Lake City, Utah. In fact, one of the men was sitting right up here where Ty was uh, right now where he's sitting. Eldon was sitting right there last Sunday or Sunday before last when he said, I was at one of his meetings the other day, he was telling us about his products that he sells, and said he spent the first 30 minutes telling us about his products, and he spent the next two hours telling us about his magnificent healing from God on his back. Do we serve an awesome Jesus, or do we serve an awesome Jesus? But see, if you believe God, he made you that statement. Then, this one last story, and then we're going to quit, about the next verse. Mark eleven twenty-four. Mark 11 24 says, whatever you desire when you pray, believe you have received it and it shall be yours. Now, that's the verse I use for Caitlin's valve in her throat. I'll show you how faith works. When Caitlin was in the wreck, something severed something that caused the valve in her throat that flaps open and close when you swallow to not work. You know, normally there's a little valve that covers up, I guess, the air hole So that when you eat, it makes food go down into your stomach instead of going into your lungs. When you breathe, I guess this thing opens and closes. I don't know much about the body, but of course, Ty, he's a doctor, he does. So if I say anything wrong, Ty, you have to correct me, okay? I'm doing good, okay. I mean, I know I couldn't explain it in the terms he could, but I'll explain it in the terms maybe you and me can understand. Because I don't understand his terminology. When he talks, he talks in words outside of my vocabulary. But anyway, I had been told by the doctor, don't feed Caitlin anything by mouth, no food, no drink, or it'll run into her lungs and kill her. I said, no problem. I got the Word of God. I'll get that taken care of. So we went home. And, of course, they put a little uh, plug in her tummy. I had to pump food, in, liquid food into her tummy three times a day, you know. And so, but I prayed. We went home. I began to pray. I began to take, I said, Mark eleven twenty-four. What does that say? Whatever you desire. Whatever you desire, he says, when you pray, believe you have received it, and it shall be yours. Did he say that? Okay, so you reckon that would include a little valve in her throat, my grandbaby? Sounds like it would. So I asked the Father in Jesus' name, according to Mark eleven twenty four, to heal that, fix that valve, and repair it in her throat. And I thanked him for it, and I'd praise him all two months, and then we'd take her back to the doctor. The doctor said, bring her back two months, we'll check it. Well, I praise him for two months. We take it back. I know it's going to work when I get there. I have no doubt it's going to work. I get there and they check it. And he said, don't work a lick. Don't work a lick. I thought, no, wait a minute. So we come home and I read that verse again. Whatever I desire. When I pray, believe I receive it and it shall be mine. So I pray again and ask the Lord to fix the valve. And I praise him for two months. And we take her back and it don't work again. I said, no, wait a minute. Now, then we do this off and on up to the 10th month. I've been five times to the doctor, and five times this thing don't work. Now, wait a minute. After the fifth, time, I'll come home, and I say, God, I repent. I don't know what I've done wrong. But your word is not working. It's not working. And I know it can't be your fault, because it's got to be mine. See, just like Elihu was telling Job. It's never God's fault. It's always mine or yours. If something wrong, right here's the problem. Not, not with him. So I, I knew that already. So I knew the problem wasn't with the king. I knew he wanted to answer my prayer, but I knew I was doing something wrong, but I hadn't figured out what it is yet. So I come home after that tenth month, I open that Bible, and I read that verse, I quote that verse ten thousand times in the next two weeks. Whatever I desire. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word. Whatever Whatever I desire. Whatever I desire. Whatever I desire. When I pray, believe I've received it, and it shall be mine. And after two weeks, finally, it hit me. It's amazing how dense you can be. You know it? Somebody said, but I read that twice. Hey, sometimes that ain't enough. Sometimes 2,000 times ain't enough. I don't know how many times I quoted that verse, but I quoted that verse and read that verse over and over and over for two weeks. And finally, after two weeks... It's just like the Lord just slapped me and said, this is what you've done wrong. I thought, wow. Okay, it says, whatever I desire. Okay, what do I desire? I desire the valve work. Okay, got that down. Locked, that's it. That's what I desire. He says, when you pray, believe it's done. And it shall be yours. Now, what had I been doing? When I prayed, when did I believe it was going to be done? When I saw it, At the doctor's office on a test. Well, that's not what the king said, was it? He says, when you pray, believe it's done. Not two months later when you take her back to the doctor. I said, Lord, I repent. I repent. I have sinned big time. See, that's a sin. I wasn't doing it his way. I was trying to do it my way or man's way. What I thought made sense to me. But with God, he, he don't break his rules for nobody. I said, okay, Lord, I repent. Now then, I say, Father, in Jesus name, I've repented. I know you've forgiven me. Now I'm, I desire that that little valve work in her throat. So, Father, in Jesus name, according to Mark eleven twenty four, it's done. Thank you. It works. I said, it done. Case closed. Walk across the street, and hey, Toby, That's said, Daddy, I said, Toby, you got something here for her to eat or drink. He said, well, yeah, I've got some applesauce. Why? I said, uh, let's give her something to eat. He said, Thurman, we just come back from the doctor two weeks ago, and it didn't work. I said, no, it didn't work yesterday. It didn't work earlier this morning. But right now, it works. He said, what do you mean? I said, it works because the Word of God says it works. He said, Thurman, I am not about to give her anything to eat or drink. It'll kill her. I said, look, Toby, the doctor said she wasn't going to live. Did she live? Yes. The doctor said she'd never walk. I said, does she walk? Yes. doctor said she'd never see. Does she see? Yes. The doctor said she'd never run. Can she run? Yeah. I said, everything the doctor said couldn't happen has happened with the Word of God, right? Yeah, that's true. I said, don't you think it's time you believe God with me on something? He said, so, okay, what do I got to do? I said, give her something to eat. So he put a little applesauce out there and a little bottle of uh, orange juice or whatever it was. And I called her. I said, Caitlin, honey, come in here and sit down in this chair. Man, she was in a room playing, she came running in there, she jumped up in that chair. I said, Eat that applesauce and drink that orange juice. That's your only grandbaby, grandma. Are you gonna believe God's word? Yeah, well, oh, we're gonna find out how much faith we got, don't we? We're gonna find out how much faith we have. You talk about the ultimate test? Grandma, that puts you to the test, won't it? That would put you to the test. That's your grandbaby, and that the only one you got. Oh, that grandpa—that'll put grandpa to the test, won't it? Will it? it will. Yes, it will. It put us all to the test. But I trusted God. I believed that word, just like He has written. Now I'd done it the way I thought it was right for ten months, and it didn't work. This time I'd done it God's way, and guess what? She sat down and ate that whole bowl of applesauce and drank that bottle of orange juice and jump and run in place. She's been eating and drinking just like that ever since that day. Amen. Amen. The Word of God works. It works. See, He's a faith God. He's not a God that thinks. He's not a God that's to... okay, you're standing on this verse. I told you when you pray, whatever you ask for, believe it's done and it's yours. If you can believe it's done right now, it's yours. You can use that verse. If you can't believe that right now, you better find you another one. Well, that only works when you use it just exactly like it's written. That's the only way it works. And if you say, well, I'm going to take that and I'm going to believe I can do this. I'm going to believe my arm's going to be healed. That's just like James Dietzman a few years ago when he walked, grabbed me and I walked into church on Sunday morning. He was watching the back. When I walked in, he came running back to the Thurman. Thurman, you got to pray for me. Yesterday, I fell off of a horse and broke my hand. I said, well, James, let's go down to the front. No, he said, two minutes of unbelief down there. He's let us go to the library where it's just me and you. It's in a Baptist church. I mean, you know, yeah, after all, you know, I started to say this is just in church, not a Baptist church, Methodist, Pentecostal, it makes no difference. It's just in church. We don't really believe the Word of God like we should. So I'm not just pointing a finger at the Baptist, it's us as Christians. So anyway, I ran back there with James, and the first thing I said, what'd you do? You broke your hand? He said, yeah, I reached over, and I slapped the broke hand. I said, you've got to believe God. He said, I believe. He said, you pray, it's done. I said, okay, Father, you see his faith. I said, in Jesus' name, you said, believe it's done. According to Mark 11:24, it's done. I said, James, your wrist to heal. Guarantee it in the name of Jesus. We went back up to the... Set, and James was roping cows with that hand the next day. He ain't never had another problem with that hand. Isn't that amazing what God will do? He's there to show up when you do what he says. I see, but if you go out and say, Oh, Lord, I broke my hand. Oh, God, let me get a man of faith somewhere. And if you all can pray the prayer of faith for me, and we come in and say, Oh, God, we're not sure what you're going to do here, but Lord, if it be your will, will you heal his hand? It said Mark eleven twenty four, Whatever we desire, Lord, we hope you're going to heal his hand. You might, you guys might as well have stayed at home. Because well, that is not the God we serve. He's not a wishy-washy God. He said, God, that when you do it his way, he said, oh, them boys got faith. He really believes. I heard what James said. He said, you pray for me and I know it's done. He said, woo, I like that kind of faith. And so when I reached up and said, it's done, you're healed in the name of Jesus. Bam. Roping cows with that wrist. The next day, a broken hand. And it had x-rays done on Saturday after it happened. And it was done. is he awesome, Randy? He's awesome. Just like Randy and his seizures. Had them for years. And he repented. Turned me wicked. You know what that young boy found out? After he repented of his sins and he got rid of his seizures, he hadn't gone out and sinned no more since. Don't want them seizures to come back, do you, Randy? Just like Job said a while ago sin is not worth it, is it? No. Walking in obedience to God's word is what's worth it. Now then, he made you a whole book full of promises. Number one, he told you to repent of your sins. You repent of your sins. And after you repent, will He forgive you? Now, does it make any difference what you've done? No. God is a God that is big enough through the blood of His Son to forgive every sin. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad you've been. I don't care if you've blasphemed His name ten million times. In fact, Cheryl's own dad, when he died, she said, There's no telling. said, he took God's name in vain as just a normal way of talking. And he was dying, and when he died, of course, he didn't go to church or nothing. But when he died, he's on his deathbed, and she was sitting there beside him, and I walked in. She said, Can we pray for my dad? I don't know if he's saved or not. I said, Sure. And I started praying. And the minute I started praying, all of a sudden, I began to just gush tears. I had never done this before. Cheryl looked at me. She said, what is going on? I saw her daddy falling backwards into the abyss, into the pit of hell, into darkness. And as I saw him falling, I started screaming as I'm gushing tears for a man I don't even know. Oh, there's her dad. I'd only seen him twice. And I'd only talked to him two minutes one time in my life. That's all I knew him. And I'm screaming Howard, call on the name of Jesus. Of course, when Cheryl heard me say that, she said, Yes, Daddy, yes, Daddy, call on the name of Jesus. And I'm saying that, Howard, please call on the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, I heard him say, Jesus. You know, the scripture says to anyone that calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. And all of a sudden, he stopped falling into the abyss, and a light, white light illuminated a beam that come down and engulfed him and he stopped falling backward and he come forward and he disappeared into that light in a heartbeat. Her daddy got to go to heaven. But don't go to that point. You might not be so lucky. Make sure you love God, serve Him on this earth, praise His holy name and you can have a blessed life. But just think, God says, come and Repent. Call upon my name, and I will forgive you. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. So anybody's here today that needs to be prayed for, we're going to be here until it takes. We pray for every one of you that needs to be prayed for. We ain't going home until we pray for anybody and everybody that's here. So Ty and his wife's going to be here. Cheryl and my wife's going to be here. His wife's name's Cheryl, too. Both of our wives are named Cheryl, so when one of us says Cheryl, we never know what's going to happen. <laughs> Both of them answer. But we're going to be here praying for people. And all we ask you to do before you come up here, you repent of every sin known and unknown. You, because the King's the one that's going to heal you, not us. He's the one that's going to meet your need. So if you've got every sin repented of, and you're telling you're sorry, you've got every unforgiveness taken care of, you've got everything taken care of, and you say, Lord, now I'm coming up here. Now, you made me this promise in your word. If you'll find you a promise in God's Word, you can stand on I mean, don't just come up here with no scripture in your heart. It said, God says, I watch over my word to perform my word in Jeremiah 1.12. So he watches over his word. That's also, again, we'll go back to Sharon. Sharon, you heard her say she'd been prayed for for hundreds of times and nothing ever happened? She said that. I don't know if she picked up on that or not. But I told her when she, when she told me she'd been prayed for hundreds of times, or at least a hundred times and nothing ever happened. I said, you, first of all, you never repented of your sin. You never came to God on behalf of a scripture, and you never had anybody pray for you in faith. And I said, I want you to repent of every sin, which she did. I said, then we're going to take a promise. We're going to stand on it, and then I'm going to pray the prayer of faith for you. And when I pray for you, I'm going to guarantee you God's going to do something for you. And did he ever. I mean, he did it for her. I mean, this is the woman that was a basket case. In fact, somebody called her on the phone the other day, and she said, this is Sharon Jones. She's one of our prayer warriors said, Sharon Jones, are you the basket case Sharon
4: Jones?
0: (laughs) She said, that was me. That was me. But she ain't a basket case no more, is she? I mean, she's a beautiful lady that's on fire for Jesus, knows who she is. And that girl can pray the prayer of faith for you. If you happen to get her on the phone, you will get your answer. Because when she prays for you, God hears her prayers of faith. Just like he heard her prayer the other day. Do you hear her when she said, the teeth? Mine are little, but I need a couple of Brute canals, you know, a couple of crowns. Oh, no. oh no, devil. You ain't getting that from me no more. It's done. Come up here to the summit. You've got to pray for me. We prayed and agreed. She said, it's done. Praise God. It's done. And what was happening? It was done. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank You and praise You for this beautiful day You've given us. We thank You and praise You for Your Word and all these wonderful promises. And Lord, Your promises, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, if we're walking in obedience to Your Word, all of your promises are yes every time. Wow, what an awesome statement you made. All the promises of God are yes and amen. If you're in Christ, walking in obedience to His Word. Thank you, Father. Now, Lord, if we pray for people, Lord, I ask you, to, I ask you Father, to send Jesus, that He'll be right here with us. He'll be touching the people, and the Holy Spirit will be healing them and meeting their needs. And Lord, we ask you to do signs and miracles and wonders here today. Do great things, but whatever the needs are, however you didn't decide to do it, it's up to you. Whether you do it immediately, a few minutes from now, or a day or a week or a month from now, we're going to trust you that when we pray for people, it is done. You meet their needs, and you forever change their lives. And may everybody that goes out here today never be the same in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name,
4: amen.